Jordan Paris is a 22-year-old entrepreneur, author, and host of The Jordan Paris Show, formerly known as Growth Mindset University. Before rebranding in late 2020, Jordan's podcast was ranked number six in Apple's self-improvement category, number three in the training category, and number five in the how-to category. In education, one of Apple's most competitive categories, Growth Mindset University was ranked number 15. The show was also ranked highly in 40-plus countries worldwide. On it, he interviewed some of the most successful people in the world, including James Altucher, Grant Cardone, Mark Manson, Ryan Serhant, Naveen Jean, and much more. That was until recently, when Jordan realized many of his former guests were false prophets and were leading him astray. Those are in his words, not mine. That's one of the reasons he created the Jordan Paris Show, on which he discusses current affairs and real-world issues with real people. Things that people actually care about. Things that aren't just trivial self-help nonsense. Jordan is politically incorrect and makes no apologies for it. Personally, I've been listening to Jordan for well over a year now, and his interviews have forever changed the way I look at not just my business and podcasting, but at life as a whole. In today's episode, we touch on Jordan's come up, current events, where the United States is headed, and much, much more. And now, here's my interview with Jordan Paris. Quick disclaimer, so this episode and all future guest episodes of TCR Live will be available on YouTube. Simply search The Conscious Rebellion or for Nate Sroar on YouTube. Again, all future guest episodes will be live on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast platform. Also, towards the end of today's episode, uh, at about the two-hour mark, we were talking about uh, the recent stimulus package that was proposed at the end of December 2020, in which I mentioned that something to the tune of $500 million would be going to Pakistan for gender studies, uh, in which I want to make a correction. That number is actually $10 million, not $500 million. $500 million is going to countries like Uganda, whereas $10 million is actually what's going to Pakistan. Pakistan for gender studies. So just wanted to make that correction as I try and keep this show as fair as possible. But without further ado, here is my interview. All right, Jordan. So I appreciate you being on the show here, man. Like I said, I've been in the intro, I've been listening to you for a while. So really appreciate you taking the time to come on. We're going to kind of touch on a lot here today, some being, you know, your personal story and then just really how you rebranded everything and kind of transition that into um, some current events that are, are happening today. So Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Nate, long time coming. Glad to be here. Excited to get to the things that we're going to be talking about today. Let's do it. <laughs> we could we could go on forever. So this will be this will be a first of many conversations, I assume. But we're going to touch on some high level things today. So first question I always like to ask my guests is really how did you become conscious? And what I mean by that is what at what point in your life could you really look back and say, hey, this is how this this moment, this time period of my life really transitioned and, and really helped me become who I am today? Uh, could be a lot of different things. But for myself, just to use an example, um, I know that really for me, it was when I realized that, hey, the $13 that I was making an hour, that wasn't right. a lot of money. That was really the the turning point for me. And that opened up, you know, the wormhole into everything personal development and all yes. that. So we'd love to know that for you. So I'll give you the two inflection points here, the one entrepreneurial inflection point and to the political 
inflection point, so to say, mm-hmm. uh, what's going and current affairs inflection point. Cause I used to be very out of tune. Like I, I didn't want to be up with current events. I didn't, I would say, uh, people who are, they get caught up in the, they go with the flow. They're caught up in the current of life, current events, current affairs. Uh, and they just end up going where the stream takes them. And, and I thought that, you know, going with, with that flow wasn't a good thing, but I think it is a really good thing to stay up with, with current events. Uh, and I, I can mm-hmm. get to that a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, regarding consciousness, I mean, you could argue that, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not conscious 100% of the day, uh, as all of us aren't. Uh, sometimes, right. uh, you know, our brains go on autopilot and and I'm still, uh, I don't want to talk about being conscious as like, I'm so awake, I'm so aware, look at me, look yeah, at my self-awareness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, just, just yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not like holier than thou when I, when I say this, but uh, I guess, you know, just a little inflection point here in, in my entrepreneurial uh, growth because for people who don't know, I mean, that's really how I got my start in the entrepreneurial world and uh, building businesses and uh, and and really, I guess, being in the self-help world. That's how I, I grew my audience originally. And yes, it was very similar to yours working at a restaurant in high school from 16 to 18 and a half years old. And and I was a good employee, very good, did things I wasn't asked to do, like clean the drains unsolicited, right? And I would yeah. I would clean piss off the bathroom floors. And, you know, I'd probably make uh, between 10 and 15, you know, with tips uh, factored in, it was between 10 and $15 an hour, which for high school, superb. Not bad, yeah. That's pretty Yeah. Good. So I was thrilled with that at the time. But, you know, I got out of there after two and a half years. I got promoted to server, crashed and burned at that. Just didn't have the social skills yet. The social maturity really didn't didn't have the, the, didn't have the sauce there. Didn't. And, uh, crashed and burned and, uh, but overall good experience. And, but I did get out of there and I said, never again, never will I work for anyone ever again. A number of reasons behind that. I guess, uh, part of it is some of my narcissistic traits, you know, being hypersensitive to any perceived slight, uh, including the condescension in someone telling you what to do. You know, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You know, my, my fragile ego really couldn't handle it. So, uh, which I guess it might be uh, typical for a lot of guys. And, but I, I knew right then I wasn't going to work for anyone ever again. I made that promise to myself and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's, and a number and, and then a chain of events followed the, that got me to where I am today. And uh, yes, yeah, so uh, that's the inflection point. Uh, the, the, becoming conscious in the entrepreneurial sense, but politics, I really didn't, I, I grew up listening to Mark Levin and Michael Savage uh, in, in the car with my dad from a very, very young age, like since the beginning mm. and that, that and classic rock. And oh, yeah. what a, what a great upbringing that was. <laughs> what a great, seriously. And, yeah. and now all I listen to today is classic rock and Mark Levin and other uh, similar shows like that. So, <laughs> but at the time, I, as a kid, I really didn't appreciate neither the music nor the uh, nor the the talk radio. I didn't. I, I really, I didn't really absorb it. I don't think too well. And I, I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't care. I. W- I was just. I. I I didn't kind of want right to be your head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want, and I don't, I didn't want to be like my dad. Mm. I didn't, I didn't want to, 
B, I thought he was like pessimistic. And I, okay. and I thought that the, his, his worldview uh, that came from, you know, all of this knowledge that he mm. was acquiring all day, every day, listening to talk radio uh, was contributing to that, but it, it wasn't so much pessimistic as realistic. Mm, that's interesting. That's a good. Yes. Yes. And, uh, but anyway, all went over my head, really didn't appreciate the, the, the talk radio uh, back in the day, but uh, it, it really took until June of 2020 that re- with everything that happened with black lives matter, that mm. real uh, really woke me up. I was like, something's a little off here. And that started a journey of self-discovery, uh, not self-discovery, but discovery yeah. and, and obsession with learning about all current affairs and, and, and really history as well. Yeah, which I think I think and I know me and you kind of relate in that regard in sense of we both were fans of Robert Greene. We both look to history for examples of things, which I'm going to get into in a second because I'm super jealous. You've, you know, talked to Robert, but I got his book right behind right behind me here. But oh, I see it. Yep. That's my favorite book. (laughs) Yeah. Why? I just just listened to your episode this morning. And it's yeah, it's one of one of my favorites as well. Um, But I think it's that's an interesting, interesting realization for especially for people, you know, our age to kind of really, I think a lot of us are just conditioned to, oh, I don't really want to get involved in everything that's, you know, we see on the news and that we hear our parents talking about just because you don't want to, you don't want to be the same as them. You want to be a little bit different. But I think when people our age and especially guys and conservatives really, which again, we'll get into, but can have that realization of this stuff matters and I need to be up to date on what is happening. Because if you're not, not only are you going to look at the state of our country and the state of the world and just be in, in complete shock, but we, our voice actually has more of an impact than we might realize, especially on the, the conservative side. Yeah, especially on the conservative side. I mean, the, the, peop- it's the, the people that brag about being part of the silent majority, like, screw that, man. You know, you're, you're a coward if you're a part of the silent majority. Uh, if you are not sharing, tweeting, posting, commenting, uh, attending events uh, at, uh, as an extension, uh, yeah, if you're a part of the silent majority, uh, you're a coward. Mm. It's just it's just plain and simple. Uh, and you know, people. You know, my best friend actually questioned me with the rebrand and my. He called it he he called it a, a political obsession that I had. He he um, you know I sent him something on cultural Marxism and and uh, and by the way, this is for the record a Trump voter, so like myself, and. So, yeah, I sent him something on cultural Marxism. He's like, oh, you know, the things you sent me, Jordan, they're very insightful, very educational, informative. Uh, but you can only do so much with your influence and your knowledge that you're collecting on these subjects. And I worry almost questioning your ability to to make an impact just given your position and and like really does he saying hey like you're not a a politician I guess what what is his angle. I'll tell you what he doesn't see I'll tell you exactly what he doesn't see in a second, but he also uh, condescendingly said I I worry about your mental health as well. Wow with realizing uh, these things about the world so essentially saying. You know, ignorance is bliss, Jordan. You'd be better off ignorant because you can't handle the the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. 
uh, I was like, okay. Uh, but I really commented on the, uh, his nihilistic view of uh, what can you do with this knowledge? You know, your influence only extends so far. And that is the problem. That is exactly what leftists want us to think. We're playing right into their hands there. That, that, and that is why uh, so many people on the conservative side are silent. And it is the weapon of political correctness, the leftist weapon of political correctness getting to them. And the whole reason for my platform now is to combat that weapon that leftist weapon that is political correctness that is used to silence conservatives like myself, like you, like our friends. And if I can encourage, inspire one other person to use their voice, to tweet, to comment, to share on their story, if I can, if I can inspire someone to be a little bit more bold, one person, then that creates the ripple effect that we need to create. I'm just playing. Look, I, I, I have several thousand listeners. I'm not like, I don't have 200,000 listeners per episode, uh, but I have several thousand per episode. And, you yeah. know, it doesn't, that, that, that's not huge, but I'm just playing my small part, man. Yeah. It takes all of us. It adds the F up to a point where there is a tipping point. We yeah. need, we need all of these, we, all these voices matter. We, we need, every bit and the reason that we are getting steamrolled culturally by leftists by cultural marxists these marxists is because we're silent mm. you're playing right into their cards and you're not going to have a country if you stay silent that's a so that's just playing a, my small role yeah that's 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 a very good point and i think your friend greatly underestimates number one the reach that you and influence that you do have but two that like you said that collective effort of hey if i can get one more person to really just take a second look or at the situation that they may have perceived one way that can spark a chain of events that leads yeah. to something big i mean you never know but yeah so he's missing he's missing that he he's missing the ripple effect and, and the and the great impact of playing your small role, everyone playing their small role, but he's also mi completely missing the severity of right. the situation. And I'd say that this person is relatively politically awake, mm -hmm. uh, you know, grew up in, in Broward County, a, a county that's very, very le uh, leftist, I should say, uh, whatever, uh, Let's use and, the terms correctly. but, but heavy, heavy Democrat voters and, uh, and, you know, on mom on on welfare and foods you know the whole thing uh and you know had he voted in 2016 which he didn't uh he would have voted for hillary clinton uh but and, and now he's come a very long way and he you know studied psychology and in uh and okay. in, in 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 school and took all the social science classes the sociology the gender studies and really was exposed to uh unknowingly exposed to to a lot of uh marxist ideas and so while he has a little bit of he's a little bit of marxist dna in him probably like 10 percent. a lot of people do who stuff who study and apply themselves in college they come out with a little bit of marxist dna yeah 100 percent. yeah 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 uh but he's come a long way and and uh I, i'm impressed that he after being exposed to all of that and growing up the way he did, that he is uh, a conservative, but still he's missing the severity of the situation. And if you listen 
to my conversation with Katarina Jovanovic from the former Yugoslavia. She grew up in Yugoslavia, keyword being former mm-hmm. there. A lot of what's happening in America today is is strikingly similar to the downfall of Yugoslavia and a lot of and actually a lot of other places and we have in America this collective self-serving bias that says you know we're we're on top we'll always be on top but that's never ever the case yep great nations are never great forever so we really especially right now need to be hyper vigilant yes i completely agree and we're going to touch on where america is kind of headed i'm actually going to reference that episode and for people who don't haven't heard that i strongly encourage you to listen to it where can they find that jordanparis.com slash ep2 225 jordanparis.com slash ep225 to check out that interview um we're going to get to that in a second really quick because you made a good point about your friend in his uh college education so again for those People who listen to me know I haven't been to college. I never, I Great. had that plan set up for me, but I truly never intended on going. I knew I'd figure something else Good. out. Um, but you, which I want to get to, um, you you were very entrepreneurial minded from, I'm assuming a, a young age, but you also made the decision to attend college. And I know you've talked about this before, where it was kind of for pleasing your parents and kind of for- Yeah, well, couple, it wasn't that conscious reasons. of a decision. Hmm. Okay. Explain that a little bit, because I'm interested to hear how that influenced your perspective and just how that. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's, you know how it is. The question is always, where are you going to college? What are you going to study? Assuming that if you don't go to college, you're, that's, that's weird. Right. You might be a failure. You probably will. People never ask why are you going to college? Never, ever. Mm. That's a very that's important the question. Decision. That's the question that needs to be asked more because nobody, I'd say 99% of 18 year olds going off to college don't know why they're going to college. They just go because other people go, they think they should, their parents think they should, uh, parents in- insist that they, that they should. And, and it's, the, the, the marketing of universities is just so brilliant, you know, that they've instilled over the past uh, several decades that if you don't, go, you need us, you, you just need us. You need us. That's a very yeah, good way to put it. It, it. it is a monolithic, you have one option coming out of high school if you want to actually do things in the world. And that's just not true. If you want to, just the cliche, like if you want to be a doctor, no, lawyer, nurse, whatever, engineer, then yes, you go to college. Of course. But just about everything else, it sets you back. Very the student loan debt is up to $1.71 trillion. Over 40 million Americans owe an average of upwards of $38,000. That's 40 plus million Americans that owe over $38,000. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And this, what is this, what is this doing? This is setting people our age, Nate, back decades, if not an entire lifetime. They come out with this with this incredible debt. People are our, our age, around our age, maybe a little bit older, are buying homes less often and later. Right. People are having kids less often and later, in large part because of this unprecedented 
student loan debt. And it is, it is really, really starting to compound the number, 1.71 trillion. When I first started talking about this, just really just two years ago, I guess, it was, it was at, at about $1.4 trillion. I was looking, I think, I, and don't quote me on this, but I was just reading in a book the other day that wasn't as current. And in 2006, it was like 600 uh, billion or something, but it was around that. Uh, like it's really skyrocketing and it's very scary. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's skyrocket and, and, and the, the student debt portion of it is in my opinion, is just one of the many, you know, negative implications that gets placed on these students. I mean, I was just talking with our mutual friend, Ryan Odom yesterday, and he was, he was saying how not only do they come out of college with, you know, all this debt, but I would rather personally, if I'm a business owner, I would rather take somebody with four years of experience in sales, in marketing, in entrepreneurship, in these other areas, as opposed to somebody with a piece of paper that said, Hey, I, you know, some, they told me I'm good enough for this. And for two of those four years, I didn't even learn about anything in relation to my actual major. So it's, they're really getting this false promise of, Hey, get this piece of paper, pay us a bunch of money and you'll be set is basically what they're, what they're promising. And as we know, especially with 2020, if you hadn't been entrepreneurial minded, you had just graduated in May of this year. I mean, it'd probably be pretty tough for you to find a job anywhere, yeah. much less than something that you actually enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And and we just see the the cost of the, just the, the cost benefit is is getting the risk reward is just getting uh, more and more precarious as the years go along. Every year, it's just no matter. No matter what, Nate. No matter if it is the greatest recession uh, in in the past 100 years, like uh, uh, or or 50 or whatever, uh, or in recent memory, uh, 2008. No matter what happens in the world, tuition always goes up every single year. Mm-hmm. You know what doesn't? The average, the the wages. Wages standard the, of living. People, people, yeah, people graduating are are making the same amount of money. That doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going up, uh, but what is, is uh, obviously the tuition. So it's just getting, uh, uh, it's getting riskier and riskier and the reward just becomes more uh, highly questionable every single year. But going back to, you know, me and my decision, yeah, I just went uh, because I, I should. And I was very, very lucky that I didn't have to be part of, I didn't have to be one of those statistics. I didn't have to mm. contribute to the $1.71 trillion in student loan debt. Very fortunate. My father, uh, had, he and I plan on doing this for my children as well, he, he had a college fund to pay the tuition of uh, all three of us, my, myself and my two siblings. And so, uh, yes, very lucky in that regard. And uh, now, will my, I just said, I plan on doing the same. Will my kid be going to college? Uh, maybe not. Actually, probably not. But if if he or she does go, it's probably going to be like Hillsdale or Liberty yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Know, not not probably, but definitely. Like, I'll pay for those. Right. I will happily, happily. Like, I would. it would make me the happiest person in the world if my son or daughter were to go to Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what I won't be paying for is somewhere like Florida Gulf Coast University, where I went, uh, mm. or Harvard, or one of these, you know, other Steve Marxist Boulder. institutions. Oh, yeah, where my brother goes, and where my, and where my my father shells out fifty to a hundred thousand, yeah, like a hundred thousand dollars a year for my not just tuition, but just in in everything for my 
for my brother for uh, to, to be indoctrinated. And guess what happened, Nate? Within a year and a half of being there, he went from in a fam- he went from being in a family of conservatives to really uh, uh, he voted for Joe Biden is, is wow. what I'll say. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I don't think he's too far gone. I've done some really good work on him. I'm really proud of, uh, of the, of the work I've done the past uh, month or two. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, I actually think he's starting to change his mind. Uh, it's, I've been totally not forceful at all. I've been very, uh, delicate with it, uh, as, as one uh, needs to be in, mm-hmm. in this type of situation. Uh, so, I mean, cause he just, he just voted for Joe Biden because every, that, that town is like Man, bold, that- Boulder. It, that hits, that hits that hits a little bit closer to home for me. And I don't know if I've told you this, but I when I saw you p- first post about Boulder, I was like that one, that was the college, one of the only major universities that one I wanted to go to, but two I actually got accepted into. And I remember getting accepted into that business school and I was I was I was ecstatic. Like I was hyped because I'm like, oh my God, Colorado, one of my favorite places to visit. And I just figured it, I've heard great things about it. I'm like, this is gonna be sick. And then they get the, give me the financial aid package. And that is what did it for me. I was looked at that 60,000 for the first year. And I'm like, yeah, there's no, like, where am I? I have like $3,000 in my savings. Like, what am I, where am I going to, where am I going to do that? So that sent that for me. But I just think about myself and how you said your brother came from a family of conservatives. And I would even say that my family is almost the opposite where I'm kind of the, the conservative in the family, if you will. And if I went to Boulder, it's like, man, what would I have changed my philosophies on things? I mean, I can't really say, but being in a town with that type of environment and really just paying for indoctrination, like you said, yep. it's not worth it. And I feel like it would have had a, a, a severe amount of negative implication on somebody like me, who's really trying to, to think for myself and, and, you know, see through all the bullshit, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, and, and what really, you know, besides the indoctrination, what, I mean, what is a value in, in, in the education and 99% of these universities and in all of these gender studies and social science and philosophy and uh and and even even business courses there really is almost no value i can point to i can point to public speaking as a as a really wonderful course i can point to accounting and business finance as courses that people should take i could point to a, a couple of courses like that but everything else is is just an unmitigated disaster mm-hmm. and i and thank god i didn't i was still very very moldable and i i guess i'm still moldable but i i was very impressionable as we all are as 18 year olds going in going into college or not uh, yeah. and i worry what would have happened if i applied myself and studied in and and really yeah really involved myself in in my studies mm-hmm. uh would you, would you say it's safe to say that the more involved you get, almost the more indoctrinated, to use a for lack of a better term, you get? And I would say so, Nate. And there is data to suggest this, that more, that that the percentage of, of young people that go into college as conservative and come out liberal, like, let's say, uh, bottom line, yeah, bottom line is that uh, we're seeing data and I'll have to find this again, but I found it uh, a couple of months ago uh, that uh, people are coming in conservative and, and coming out, uh, I wouldn't even say liberal, but leftist. Yeah. Let's use correct terminology here, because as I think you've mentioned before, the term liberal is now just used completely incorrectly. And I mean, the yeah. true definition of a liberal really 
I'll even say some of the things more on the environmental side and some things like that, I do happen to agree with some of those policies. But yep. now lib- the term liberal is one completely misused and two, the the people who are called liberals, like you said, are leftists, not liberals. Let's make sure I identify them correctly here. Yes, I'm I'm trying to look at the definition, look for the definition of liberal right now. Um, noting or pertaining to a political party advocating uh, no, favor to or in a court of oh this is great favor here's a here's one of the definitions of liberal favorable to or in accord with concepts of maximum individual freedom possible especially hmm. as guaranteed by law and secured by governmental protection of civil liberties so in other words sounds like small government sounds like conservatives today sounds like exactly what i'm all about big gov sucks yeah exactly and that's and that's where again you, we agree with a lot of these true liberal policies in terms of small government and and what the definition you just read off but that's not that's not what we see today in fact the left is on the complete opposite which again we're going to get into a second but i kind of want to circle back here to you and just really talk about your transition a little bit because not only like i mentioned in the intro you had one of the top podcasts on apple in the education space which is a very you know, a prestigious chart to break into. So congrats on that. But I mean, you've interviewed people from, you know, Robert Green, Mark Manson, Jordan Harbinger, some pretty high level people. And I mean, you've introduced me to um, some, of, some of these people as well, who I otherwise never would have. So, you know, thank you for that. But when you started Growth Mindset University, which was about, what would you say, your sophomore year of high school or college rather? So about two, two and a half years ago? That's correct. Yeah. Three years coming up in April. Three years. Okay. So cool. About, about three years ago. I mean, this time, what was kind of, what was your mindset when first starting out GMU? What was, what was the kind of the goal or the reason behind doing yeah. all of that? Yeah. And for, for people that don't know, yes, you, you just remind me, yes, it, it was called uh, growth mindset university. And uh, obviously now it's the Jordan Paris show, as you know, Nate, but yes, in the beginning it was uh, pretty aimless. Uh, I just did it because other people were doing it because social proof. And I was having guests on because other people, other podcasts have guests on thought that's what you're supposed to do, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it became, it evolved into a self-image pursuit where I just wanted to interview anyone with a hint of fame in the hopes that perhaps that would rub off on me. I used the term borrowed credibility. Mm. And, and uh, I just wanted to interview anyone with a blue check mark, really. So... Uh, I was on that self-image pursuit, bowing down to these false prophets that are the blue check marks today, that are the influencers, the fame, you know, anyone with a hint of fame, they've really become false prophets in in the age of social media. So uh, I was really, really wrapped up in that, even until uh, probably three months ago, just really wrapped up, too wrapped up in that self-image pursuit that that I'd say, uh, I mean, like 90% of podcasters I know really are are wrapped up in that self-image pursuit in the matrix of that. And, um, you know, now it's obviously not about that. It, it evolved. It, it it took me, you know, probably four or five weeks I didn't I, that I hadn't recorded an episode back uh, early, early in the fall, summer, fall of uh, 2020. And, you know, I didn't have to because I'm, you know, I, at that point I was always like two months ahead in episodes. So, uh, yeah. you know, taking four or five weeks off, it didn't matter. And uh, I'd probably do that like once a year. And and somewhere along the way, it it became increasingly obvious that I could never record another episode of Growth Mindset University again because Mm -hmm. of 
partly what I just said, the self-image pursuit. I, I something allowed me to get outside of that matrix and have a a hundred foot view on it step outside of of that of of the the matrix what i was wrapped up in yeah so to say uh for the first time in years and i just got really disgusted uh by me uh and and the path that i was on i felt like even though people you know classifying me as using the word using the word successful to describe me in in many respects i uh i i had felt like i'd done everything wrong Mm. that's tough yeah yeah and i was really i got really depressed about it for a couple of weeks and then i was and i was really and i i was adamant that i couldn't change the name growth mindset university i could i i i went i've gone so far i've made it it's received great brand name recognition oh yeah and yeah yeah and uh so much brand equity that that has been built up and and then it just clicked that uh, I have to. I have to. I have to. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be the Jordan Parrish show at the time. I thought it might be, but um, Growth Mindset University had to grow up. Mm. And, and it evolved into uh, the Jordan Parrish show where I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Talk. I don't give, give a damn to talk yeah. about, talk with, uh, you know, people just because they have a, blue check mark or a lot of followers um I, I it doesn't matter it's real conversations real people who uh who've been through real shit like growing up in moscow russia in the 70s or growing up in yugoslavia uh who are, or people who have great data and information on why mask mandates and lockdowns don't work which by the way if you haven't found out by now they don't you can go to jordanparis.com slash EP223 to hear that case be brought. And we're going to touch on that a little bit because for anybody who hasn't heard that episode of the Jordan Paris show with Tom Woods, it's it's a great episode. It provides a lot of information. And for those of you who say, you know, follow the science and only trust the scientist, this guy, which again is a complete propaganda term, but this guy is, I mean, he's Harvard educated. So would you say that he, you know, has a little bit of insight into the scientific community and maybe some of the things that he's talking about? Yes. And and isn't that interesting, Nate, that that Tom Woods is is Harvard educated. Isn't that very interesting? And I believe uh I believe he also went to Columbia as well for his PhD. Yeah. But yes, um isn't that interesting? And I I, I wish that I had I had asked a little bit more about that because that is definitely an elephant in the room yeah uh, but i uh, yeah perhaps that does uh yeah i, I really I, I yeah i can't speak for him uh but uh, yeah i wish i asked him but yeah so anyway real conversations real people real things that people actually care about today i also realized that you know not only the self-image pursuit i was on but also the I started to adopt the view that in a world where tensions are rising, bubbling to the surface, uh, real problems are bubbling to the surface for the first time in many years, Mm -hmm. probably for the first time in the social media age and tensions are rising. This 
general self-helpy content from influencers is getting really, really stale. Mm. Like, who cares? It's almost, I, I view it as, and I really don't mean to shit on an entire industry. I mean, I kind of am, uh, I, I feel, you know, part of me like questions questions that, uh, like just because I, I left that world, now I shit on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I really question myself there, but I view it as like, who cares? You know, like you're, I view it as very tone deaf mm. at this it- point in time. And is it safe to say that just to, to, to circle this all together, just my thoughts here is, is it safe to say that, you know, obviously the, the pandemic and, and each state's thankfully, you know, you live in Florida, you have the greatest governor in the, in the face of the earth. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, seeing everything that was happening in terms of lockdowns, these mandates, and then combined, like you said, with, with everything with the George Floyd shooting and the Black Lives Matter movement really starting to grow to levels that we haven't seen yet. And plus, all of that combined with your, you know, you graduated from college this year as well, about that same time. Is it safe to say that kind of all of those things really happening simultaneously is yeah. what really made you like go, wait? Am I even, am I doing the right thing? Am I caring about the right thing? Like you said, am I actually talking about shit people care about or am I just doing this for myself? Totally. Yeah, it was, I, and, and the answer was the, the latter. I was doing it, uh, I was doing it all for myself. I was on that self-image pursuit. I was giving people a front row seat to my own nar- show of narcissism, really. Mm. And, and I think that a lot of people, I think that a lot of people, especially older, wiser people, could uh, could see that. Like, oh, just another one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, just another one of those. And it, you know, it, I, whether it, whether it was them listening to my podcast or just seeing my website at the time, like, just another one of those. And it's tough because, especially for you know new podcasters starting out. And I mean, you had yours, but like you said, about three years ago when podcasting was nearly as big as it is today. But really, that that differentiator, being able to really stand out amongst people and have—I mean, obviously, you're going to have haters and people who say negative things about you. But really, trying to limit that. Oh, he's just another one of them. Um, is really what my goal is. And now I know that's you know one of yours as well. And I think for anybody just kind of starting out on the journey, it's really that's what something you should look at. In terms of not how do I be like everybody else? How do I differentiate from everybody else? Because nobody remembers. I remember when I was almost going to go, this is kind of off topic, but it relates. I remember when I was going to go into financial planning and advising that career field, I got offered from a very big company here in Wisconsin for that. And I remember somebody telling me, this is really what hit home. Nobody's going to want to go on a podcast with just some financial planner. Like, you and because you're just like like what what's special about that? You're just doing the same thing as you know hundreds of thousands of other people. And I think that also anything creative, of course, that also relates to is just you want to really set yourself apart almost in a good way in terms of hey, like what is that guy doing over there? He's you know making waves, he's having this ripple effect. Let me go check that out, as yeah. opposed to oh, it's just another you know self-help guru success thing. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a, I, a show I, that's all about vanity. For both sides, mm. for both parties, yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting because as I think you're a great example of this. I mean, you said you've got a, a, fair, a substantial audience, well more than me, but you know, not the biggest in the world. Um, but would you say that you know these vanity metrics are something that um, people take way too people fuss way too much over it, especially now? Does it do any of these things even matter? No, I mean. At a certain point, you get numb to the numbers in your, say, hosting dashboard for when it comes to your podcast. It's just, 
just like, ah, oh, just another, uh, for me, it's like, that's just another big number. You know, I just, I, it, it doesn't really like, I just look at the number and I see the word many, you know, mm. uh, like it just doesn't, doesn't really, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm being conceited here a little bit, but, um, but yeah. And, and social media, um, I mean, in a way it does matter, especially when it comes to social media. I mean, it is, it can be, especially I feel like with the things that I'm talking about and in the mission that I have in combating political, the weapon that is political correctness, uh, I feel like it does matter. My voice is being amplified with the greater views, likes, comments. I uh, I have a greater chance at at making that ripple effect. Uh, uh, I but but being too wrapped up in the numbers, uh, which which a lot of for a, a long time, most of the past few years, I I have been. Mm. Uh, it was just. Yeah, I was living my life and, and and creating content and my life was just was just creating content and and looking at the likes and the comments and the views on social media, uh, especially like Linky Dink, you know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, there's a and, I think there's a really fine line between. I think you made a good point. Um, of, of it actually, because I, I was hoping you'd answer like that, where views and, and especially when you have a mission like we do in terms of getting the mine, in terms of getting information from people like yourself who have this more knowledge than people to typical person our age and really transitioning that along. But for you, it's combating political correctness. And I think you made a good point that it does matter because you are trying to make an impact. You are trying to reach more people. But at the same time, there's a way to still have it matter but not be obsessed over it because when you become obsessed over it that's when things start to take a turn for the worst i agree there's a balance there it 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 matters and it means something but you shouldn't obsess over it and when you do like a lot of people our age do whether it's a girl on instagram or you and i on linkedin you're right goes both ways you know they live their lives to just see uh to just, they live for that that validation and the the false validation in the form of you know those likes and that is living that way day in and day out that's a special kind of hell it is yeah it is and i think i think a lot of people our age are are slowly starting to realize that with you know people like ourselves kind of speaking openly about it but also just in 2020 talk about something else that's you know really taken hold the the documentary i'm sure you're familiar of a social dilemma really opened a lot of people's eyes to just a lot of things that they didn't know about really the behind the scenes of a lot of these social media platforms. And I was, I was actually just listening to Tristan's interview with Joe Mm -hmm. Rogan, which for anybody who hasn't checked that out again, super, super valuable information in there, but he just kind of talks about really there, all these platforms are competing for our attention. Their goal is to make us stay on them as, as long as possible. And they'll do really anything to, to accomplish that because that's, yeah. that's really their selling point. It's not as much about what we're, what we're actually doing and the things that we're liking and, and the ads play a part of it. But when you can keep somebody on the platform for a long time, that is the true selling point. And there's no better way to do that than, than through fear. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that captures uh, captures a lot of attention. Yeah, that's something from my episode with uh, a gentleman named Chase Hughes, uh, who 
who you might be familiar with just from him appearing on my show a number of times over the past few years, mm-hmm. the, the foremost expert on behavior, human behavior that I know in, in my life, uh, a great behavioral investigator. And, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, he, he would, he would agree with you there. Yeah, which is, and I, I want to chase, I would love to get chase on this show one day, because we also start, share that same passion in terms of human behavior, and just really understanding why people do the things that they do. I know that's my kind of fascination for it. And I also turn that in on myself in terms of, hey, like, why did I make this decision? Why do I act this certain way around certain people? Like, I don't know, I'm really kind of kind of dive into myself a lot in that regard. But I want to take this this back a little bit, because in the beginning of the show, we were talking about what it's like really being a conservative in 2020, especially being a young conservative because i mean we i live in wisconsin it's a pretty somehow it swung blue but it's a it's a fairly red state you well i mean not actually though (laughs) oh i mean yeah like a a fish i don't want to get this i don't want to get this banned Uh, or deplatformed but officially it turned blue but I mean, we should with their new with the new guidelines. We shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't <laughs> but, want to. But people, but people know what we what we'd want to talk about. What we, what we would say. But, Any anybody yeah. who lives in Wisconsin knows that outside of of two counties in the entire state, it is just the as Trump calls it, the Great Red Red Wave is is really here. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, back in 2016, I remember again, still living in Wisconsin. I openly supported Trump and I was about 15, maybe to about to turn 16 years old at this time. Couldn't even vote, but I, I wanted to be active. I knew this was a big election. A lot of people hated Trump. And I even remember when he announced coming down the stairs in 2015, I, I remember watching that live and I told people when I was playing football at the time, I'm like, this guy has a, sh- a shot. Like I actually like listened to him and I'm like, I agree with like a majority of what he's saying. And I think a lot of people also felt that way. But at the same time, as you probably could relate to, I also got you know scrutinized a, a lot for it. And I didn't yeah. really know how to stand up for myself being a freshman, sophomore in high school. And I'm really curious, back in 2016, what was your kind of perspective on politics and, and, and Trump's mm-hmm. just kind of explosion, if you will, into yeah. the space and just really what your mindset was back four, four more years ago? Yeah, very, very naive, just voting uh, Republican because that's what my family did. Uh, really, really didn't know much about either of the candidates nor their policies, uh, really knew nothing. Um, now, I mean, fast forward, I, I you know, I, I, I know all about it and I, I even go back and and watch the uh, presidential debates from like 2016 or 1992 or 1990, 1988 or like I watch all I watch these presidential debates. But, you know, I loved watching the 2016 debates uh, a couple of months ago or several months ago. And and um, but yes, uh, no, I, I was I was nowhere uh, in, in my in my thinking. It was just it's just a just a formality to vote Republican uh, mm. just because I because I thought I should. Um, were you vocal and, uh, about that at all? Was no, that- absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. No. Uh, not that I was like scared of anything, but I was, you know, just didn't care to be vocal about any of it. Didn't, didn't understand. Um, yeah. Just didn't understand anything, dude. Mm, which I think is interesting because I'm just going to use an example of myself and the, the high school I went to people know it was, 
it's 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 a bubble. It's a it's a giant bubble. Where I'm from is a giant bubble. And I remember I may, maybe at this again, this is like late 2015, early 2016. Maybe I had posted an Instagram story if they even had that back then. But I had just kind of said something about Trump or how I support something that he said or whatnot. And I remember like me and my cousin shared very similar opinions on this whole thing. And I just remember, keep in mind, I'm like a freshman, a 14, 15 year old freshman in high school, and there's seniors who are grown ass men, 18 year old men, just like basically, I mean, I'm not going to sound like a pussy here, but like for lack of a better term, bullying this yeah. just 15 year old kid who I, they, maybe they saw me post something online about it and they're just coming down on me and like for everybody to see. And it's just like, dude, like it was, I wasn't even as like heard about it. It was just more like, what are you fucking doing? Like, do you, yeah. are you, do you even know what you're talking about? Or do you just really hate me and my opinion that much? And I mean, I feel like if anything, between 2016 and 2020, that's gotten way worse. And I'm interested to really hear, granted, you're not, neither of us are in um, like schooling anymore, but especially when you made the transition and you talked mm -hmm. a little bit about your best friend and kind of how he reacted to that. But really, did you get a lot of negative feedback from people? Did you lose fucking 10,000 followers? Like what, yeah. what really happened and what was people's reaction to that transition for you? Yeah, my my transition. I'll speak to my transition from uh, female to male. Actually, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually this past weekend, I uh, I decided to identify as uh, Asian. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't yes, address yes. that properly yes. before the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, and uh, on the real, uh, yes, I when I came out as openly conservative only in June of. 2000. Oh no, it wasn't even doing. It was July of 2020 mm. when I, it, it took me, I knew something was off right away with the black square thing, but I couldn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like I, mm. I, and then I, I posted something on Twitter said i can't wait until people get and this was like the probably the first of july mm. like probably like july 1st or like the last day of june i can't wait until people get tired of cancel culture and the quote-unquote woke mob and i went to did i post that at night it you know got a little bit of traction not a ton uh because uh you know i just that's not where i have my following on, on i don't have it on the tweet skis and yeah. and so i went to bed and i woke up and it kind of went viral mm. because somebody called somebody named zuby mm, yeah saw it yep yeah that's because we know uh, we both know don wetrick right yeah don mentioned zuby in the comments like you should check out zuby or something i never I never heard of, I, it's, I, I did hear of him because I saw, I, the, the extent of my knowing about him was I saw his name pop up because obviously I subscribe to Joe Rogan's podcast like everyone in the world. I, I feel like uh, I saw Zuby's name pop up on Joe Rogan's feed, mm. but I, ne I never listened to the episode. I never bothered to. Yeah. And uh, so he saw it and, uh, quote tweeted it and so it got a lot of traction and i was and then i started digging into this guy zuby and uh hearing him on joe rogan and candace owens's show and looking at all of his tweets and 
noting that yes, he is black and he actually yes, born in the UK, grew up in Saudi Arabia and has spent a lot of time in the US. I was like, this guy is uh this guy's got a very worldly wise view yeah. uh, and being a rapper as well. Right. And so like just a very interesting one of a kind mix there. And so I, I invited him on the the podcast and then uh yeah we did the podcast and that was my first political podcast. And you the were still with, you were still branded uh Growth Mindset University when you absolutely had yeah. Yeah, it was Growth Mindset University. And uh, so the fit was questionable because we talked about Black Lives Matter. Right. And and how, you know, people people say like, oh, you know, so what? The founder admitted that she's a trained Marxist. Well, no, that's not the, like, whatever. You know, I, I don't take much, I don't put much weight into words. It's just that the movement is inherently a Marxist cultural revolution. Exactly. Everything about it. So, uh, and, and that's what we, that's a lot of what we, we talked about. And, uh, and I was still very naive at the time. I still have, I have to like, listen back to that episode. I haven't listened to it in, since it came out in like July. And, uh, cause I just, I feel like I knew nothing at that point. I was really just discovering all of this. Uh, yeah. it was, it was, it was groundbreaking for me. And, um, so yeah, I came, I, and then I really ramped it up. Uh, I, with my marketing efforts that week and coming out on LinkedIn as openly conservative for the first time with a lot of the graphics that I was posting and the quotes from the episode that I was posting that week. I want to touch and, on a graphic that you just real quick that you made. Yeah. I remember it. It was, um, I think we're thinking of probably the same one. It was, if you support black lives matter, then you support and you list I'll off get there. Yeah. all of these things. <laughs> and I, I just remember seeing that and, Again, for me, I'll just be completely open and honest. I want I, I don't even remember if I did. I wanted to repost that so bad. And I remember going back and forth. I'm like, do I want to no. get and it was like you said, do I want to get canceled over this? And then I just thought about it for longer than five seconds. And I was like, I really don't give a fuck because this is yeah. it's com it's completely true. And I and I definitely want you to elaborate kind of on one how you really had the balls to to go ahead yeah. and make something like that and post it and what the feedback from you know zuby being a, a a black man what his response to kind of the whole blm situation was and what all of your followers kind of thought of that yeah yeah i remember you uh you coming you said i love you for posting this man uh but i so i it's that week i had you know i had my set of graphics made for that episode uh, but then I went even, I, I posted all those. And then I went even further by creating myself this graphic because I saw my social justice warrior peers posting this, uh, this graphic that said, if you support Donald Trump, you also support racism, homophobia, sexual assault, xenophobia, ignorance, misogyny, fascism. Uh, you don't fascism. get the support. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. You don't get to support someone and not support their evil ideals. By the way, anything that, and I say anything that a leftist accuses conservatives of is what they're already guilty of themselves. So keep that in mind as a rule of thumb that applies to just about everything. And Robert Green talks about that a lot. Yep. The, but it's funny because he's, uh, he's actually, um, He's, he's liberal, you know, we're friends on Facebook and uh, he, he's very anti-Trump, <laughs> but he does talk about you know, the shadow side and contradictory behavior, you know, generally under the emphatic trait, 
lies the opposite trait. So, you know, under an extreme show of aggression lies a lot of insecurity under an extreme show of virtue, you know, like these virtue signaling social justice warriors. This is the example that he used in my podcast with him, by the way, you heard uh, a lot of these social justice, his words, not mine, you know, these social justice warriors, you see these social justice warriors, they're always so virtuous, always so always on the right side of things, always so moral and, and righteous. Uh, most of the time, they're dealing with a lot of hatred and pent up aggression, deep down, these are these are the worst kinds of people, exactly mm. the opposite of what they show on social media. Mm. And they prove it when you disagree with them and they will make your lives miserable and try to destroy you. And so, uh, yes, uh, back to the graphic. So I, I saw that one about Donald Trump and I was like, <laughs> and it's all in these rainbow, I, it's in these rainbow letters. Uh, for people on YouTube, they'll be able to see this. I'm holding up my phone. This is the original Donald Trump graphic. And I was like, <laughs> I can, uh, I, I so, yeah, here's my caption. I saw an infographic about Donald Trump circulating among the morally superior social justice warriors. Swipe for that image. So I decided to create one of my own for the Black Lives Matter organization. Not the immutable fact that Black lives do, in fact, matter. And I think that's an important distinction real quick. No, we're not, we're not, nobody who's saying that, you know, the things that disagrees with Black Lives Matter support, nobody is saying that these killings, certain, certain right. killings from police, that that's okay. We're not saying that we're talking about, we're going deeper beyond just the phrase and really looking at what this group, this movement is really proposing and pushing, just making yeah. that distinction. Yeah, I mean, someone commented, uh, black kid here, uh, commented, uh, black lives matter in all caps with four exclamation points. And I pinned the comment. Uh, I'm like, I don't uh, think anybody's I, denying that. I said, I said, that's right. If you can't separate the organization from the statement, that's your problem, not mine. Thanks. Uh, and other people chimed in. They're like, nobody said they didn't, dude. Uh, and if you're going to point to the, if you're going to cherry pick some police brutality uh, incidents, then that's fucking stupid because there's really isn't data that supports black people are being hunted down at a rate higher than other races. It is, it's similar to the, my, my, my dad, or I know someone who's 43 and on the ventilator. Uh, I know someone that's, that's 37 that died from the virus. Uh, it's, it's, and it's like by another extension saying, you know, okay, men are generally taller than women, right? And you, Nate, reply, my girlfriend is six foot four. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. You could, you could put, you could cherry pick these types of cases with like, with, with anything. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just so irresponsible. Uh, and it's 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 so obviously seasonal for a political purpose. These uh, the public the 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 publicizing of of these uh, of these incidents. And uh, so anyway, I posted this. If you support the Black Lives Matter organization, you also support Marxism, anti-Semitism, socialism, fascism, violence, hatred, racism, 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 uh, the destruction of America, terrorism, the spread of coronavirus, because uh, you know it's perfectly cool to gather COVID, in the streets uh, COVID doesn't that, worry about black lives matter yeah, no no if you're if it is the coronavirus is a it is a uh politically enlightened virus nate that 
<laughs> that if if you are if you are in support of morally superior causes, morally superior as determined by leftists, of course, yep, and social justice warriors, then uh, you are immune to the virus. If you are, you know, protesting for Black Lives Matter, if you are celebrating in the streets with hundreds of thousands of people for a supposed Joe Biden victory, then uh, you are, you're, you're good to go. Uh, but, you know, if you want to go to a Turning Point USA event, uh, then, uh, or just you know, that, is, that is a great, that's a great day. Yeah, Thanksgiving, that's a, or Christmas, that's a, you know, those are super spreader events. And, and uh, you're, you're, you want to, you want to kill people and uh, you don't, you don't, yeah, you only care about person. yourself. Yeah. You only care right. about yourself. You don't care about old people. You yeah. care about people dying. Right, right, right. And we're going to, we're going to definitely touch on, on, on COVID in a second, but I think that's a, um, I think it's a great point you bring up and just to, to real quick clarify for everybody, you're not all those things you said about what black lives matter supports. You're not, you're not making this up. Are you, I mean, this no. is straight from, <laughs> this is straight from the source. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I'll finish with, you also support uh, increases in murders in our big cities, destructions of our big cities, uh, destruction of our big cities, you know, obviously uh, going to referencing there, the defund the police movement, which had disastrous effects in, uh, in Minneapolis, broken families, intolerance, ignorance, chaos. You don't get to support an organization and not support it's evil ideals. Hmm. And of course I did it all in, uh, in the spirit of the social justice warrior graphic. I did it all in rainbow letters. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, it, and, and, you know, for someone who like, I'm not cool on Instagram. I, I, I'm cool on a platform that's not cool to be cool on LinkedIn, linky dink, as I like to call it. Um, just a, just a, the worst platform to have a following on to, to be honest, but, um, post. So for someone that only has 2000, followers on Instagram, that post it had 941 likes, it had 813 shares, shares, like whether someone sends it as a DM or shares on their story. Uh, it also had 471 saves. Um, probably a lot of people saving it because they think oh, I was racist for posting that, uh, or just people that, that really Jordan. liked it. I'm gonna remember that yeah. uh, 113 comments. So like it was, you know, for someone that's not cool on Instagram, it was, it's been my most uh, popular post. Now I haven't even followed up with another one since then I've gone back to the clout, uh, the clout type posts that, uh, you know, just making myself like look cool. Like a lot of people, kids our age, you know, they, 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 they post things for clout. And so I went back to that, but I, I am, I'm making amends. I'm really, uh, I'm really committing to uh, posting more of these types of messages on Instagram, you know, and cause I, I did lose uh, out of the 2000. So this is a lot to lose. I lost over a hundred followers there. Uh, I did, and, but I also gained the same amount. Uh, probably the numbers are probably close to 150 both ways. So I got rid of like 150 weaklings. And then I, you know, I just, I went pedal to the metal after that. Like I was out, out. I thought it was just going to be that week that I was posting about the week of that episode that I was going to be posting about this kind of stuff. And I was going to be done. I didn't let up. Yeah. You, you, were just getting, <laughs> you were just getting started. You were just getting started now, with that. That was the springboard right there. Yeah. I was just getting started, you know, and, and now I really, I really use my Instagram stories as a, as a, as a great spreader of this type type of information. And it's still like, it's really stimulating and engaging. I get tons of story replies. Uh, so I, I mean, I think it would bode, uh, 
well, to post it on, on my feed. But uh, on LinkedIn, the consequences were more severe because mm. I have uh, now I have 48,000 there. And um, I did kind of stop posting. I did stop being political after that week on LinkedIn. And it wasn't really until, you know, I had an episode with uh, my friend Amir Odom, who, uh, yep. you know, Amir. Yeah, I, yeah. we actually, uh, it's so, so funny, small world. I, uh, I was on the street this weekend in West Palm. Granted, we were both there for a Turning Point USA event and we were going to meet up anyway, but um, mm. the next day. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm walking down the street with, uh, with my new friends that I made and, and we're going to dinner and, and I, see, uh, I see Amir and I'm like, uh, I, and he doesn't see me coming up and I, uh, cause I'm coming from like an angle and, and, uh, I'm like, what's up, dude. <laughs> and we just, just talked like casual, like we'd met a hundred times before, but it was my first time meeting in person. Obviously we've been friends, but, uh, anyhow, uh, I didn't stop, start posting on LinkedIn and, uh, political things, uh, until my episode with Amir, probably a month or two later. Uh, and that was only a couple of posts. And then I stopped, uh, really until November when I, uh, pivoted, maybe end of October, November, I don't even know, uh, when I pivoted my podcast uh, to talking about these types of things. And now I only post political messages there. And so I, I started doing that at about 48,200 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, again, just the worst platform to have followers on. Uh, but that's another conversation. Maybe we get to that, but uh, if we have time. But um, what happened was I did, I really prior, I was gaining 50 followers per day for really the past two years. Like I had calculated it, you know, there were periods of time where it was, you know, six months at a time where it was averaging 50 followers a day. Um, I was down to about, I was gaining 44 followers per day at that, at that point, it was the average like 44.1. Um, I would calculate it every now and then because, you know, with, with Shield, the, the, the app, they, yeah, uh, it's easy to kind of see where see you that. were at. Yeah. And, um, so it was consistent uh, every single day. And there were never days that I lost followers, never. Uh, never really days that I gained 1,000 followers ever either, not even 500. Like it was always just really consistent. Pretty consistent, yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened now? What was the and, fallout of really that, that week after a mirror yeah. where you kind of went into that more heavily? Well, I, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, I stopped posting after a mirror on LinkedIn. Uh, and it wasn't until November when I, when I pivoted my entire platform and messaging to talking about this type of stuff that I, that I started to see the, the effects here. And I was at 48,200 and for weeks it would fluctuate between 48,200 and then it would go to 48,150 and 48,170 back down a little bit. And then it would cross 200 again and then back down. And it would just fluctuate at that 48,200, 48,150 number. Mm -hmm. And it has only been very recently. I, I got a lot of weaklings. In I got a lot of intolerant weaklings out of the way. That's what that was: the weeding out of these intolerant weaklings. And now it is, yeah, oh, totally, totally. I I I really want it to happen more because it just helps my engagement rates. Actually, oh yeah, um, yes. So uh, now it's only recently that I've started to just start climbing a, a bit more. And now I'm, so now it's at 48,400 and I, and I do tend to gain uh, not nearly as much, but I do gain a little bit on a regular basis. And so 
uh, but really not, I don't care to grow on LinkedIn anymore. I honestly don't even want to. Um, I'm really focused on other platforms uh, right now. I, I don't say linky dink for no reason. It's just really a dinky little stupid little platform, but that's uh, not ideal for the type of content that I'm, that I'm posting. Uh, for for mm. I mean, if, if I was still posting business content, self help content, I mean, great. Ooh, I, I, I saw great benefits from it. Yeah, uh, I made made I, and you know while I talk shit on the platform, I mean it's important to note that uh, you know every dollar I've ever made the past three years, you could trace it back to LinkedIn. Yeah. So I, I got a grateful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know for myself, I can can not. I mean, on a dollars front, yes, but even from an opportunities perspective, it's like if if you're in business and and you're not really on LinkedIn, you're definitely missing out because there's there's something there. But I really I was going to touch on it at the end, but I, I'm interested to really hear like what what kind of shifted your mindset on LinkedIn? Was it just your brand itself and where you feel it could fit in better on places like parlor and those who aren't familiar, it's a, it's an uncensored really yeah. supporting free speech, uh, social platform. But what, what, I guess really what made you kind of change your opinion on, on LinkedIn in that regard? Yeah. I mean, part of it's my own doing in, you know, building an audience of 48,000 plus people who want to see self helpy business content. Right. So I just, it would, Nate, it would almost be beneficial for me to like delete my LinkedIn account and and start over. Yeah. I I wonder that I really do. Um, Because it, it just, the the audiences are are like polar opposite. Like I I lost, I lost a lot of uh, people. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of people that I lost on my podcast too, but I more than replaced them. Like, fivefold at least um and the podcast doing better than ever but um yeah i just don't have the right i don't i personally don't have the right audience on linkedin um it's not a it, for you don't really see political content go viral there it's just not the platform for it it's it's not conducive to virality for the type of content that i'm posting uh and i do think that TikTok is a wonderful platform for creators like myself. If I can harness the, the creativity and video aspect of, of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, yeah, if I can, if I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but also, also parlor, I think, I think, I don't know. I've mixed, I've mixed feelings on it. Um, but LinkedIn is also, I mean, you just can't say, you can't say anything on there. Um, you have to be really careful. I mean, I've heard horror stories of people even just citing CDC data and that, that, you know, shows the incredible survival rates uh, uh, the, the, that shows how little of a risk uh, COVID-19 really is for almost all populations. And, uh, and, you know, people get banned for it. I can, you know, I can cite a gentleman named Craig Sawyer for that Uh, Twitter, you know, same guy, Craig Sawyer, they removed this verified badge for talking about, uh, child sex trafficking and you know is, it, it wasn't until he started talking about that 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 they removed his verified badge just 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 stupid shit you know fascist book uh doing dumb shit to people like mark levin uh, you know they put a warning on all of his stuff you know um it, it it's just so like like the claims are disputed when he just reads i i, I just i can't if you listen to mark levin's show and and you look at the warnings that Facebook gives him, you just, you end up scratching your head. You're like, what the fuck? Mm, like, why? Like, why are there warnings on this? 
it, it's completely unwarranted. Uh, it, it's uh, unre- I can't even. I just I don't even have words for it, man. I, and I it's it's just it's just it's just fascism in 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 real time. You know, that's just what we're looking at. That's why I call it fascist book. Yeah. And you, and you bring up. Uh, I haven't found a name for Instagram yet. I gotta, I gotta come up with a funny little name for. for There's gotta be a buzzword for for Instagram. Something, something. We'll figure something. But I think, it, I think you bring up a good point. I actually wanted to kind of segue into this in terms of really where our country's headed, and I think social media is a, is a great place to to start with that. And I want to touch on this real quick. I don't know if you saw any of the um the the congressional hearings with Jack Dorsey and 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 some of those big tech executives. But yeah, where where con- you know they Congress just brings them in and and they say mean things to them in the hopes that they'll change something. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It, it's pretty. It's pretty bullshit. <laughs> is pretty pointless but i think <laughs> out of the whole thing ted ted cruz actually made a, a pretty good point i don't know if you've seen this clip but he goes yep. yeah, i remember him he said to zuck he just or maybe it was dorsey he said to yep. one of them he goes he goes who elected you who i knew i knew you were gonna say that yeah yeah who who made you in charge of of these decisions of what can and cannot be said and i think who made really, you the moral authority yeah and we're, and we're really past the point of, of questioning whether or not these platforms can influence people's minds, much less an election. I think we already know that that's a given in the United States, and that's not even counting the hundreds of other countries that Facebook operates in, which I imagine they don't take nearly yeah. as many precautions in terms of censoring conservatives on, you know, in the United States that they do in other countries. Sure. So I, I'm I'll, I'll put this out there. That I, I think I really think Facebook, uh, especially more so uh, more so than twitter but i'll say this about facebook i I think facebook is a crime against humanity i do it's a bold statement yeah and uh and a lot of these platforms nate they they have this especially the people that run them they have this godlike complex this godlike narcissism complex they they really do believe that their values and their they really do believe they're doing the right thing and they think it's like okay to impose their beliefs and values on everyone else they they really do view themselves as the moral authorities and it's a bit odd uh i just yeah i think that social media is just a a really terrible thing for humanity in general uh all almost almost every platform uh i really do and you know they're literal they're, they're just echo chambers that that re that positively reinforce division yeah. they reinforce positively reinforce in the form of likes comments views a hot take a divisive hot take that's what gets the likes the views to comments and i think that it's it's further driving a wedge between people every single day and it's what we it's what we touched on earlier in terms of what gets attention what keeps people on the platform and the, and the biggest thing like we said is, is that fear it's things that create fear create division create argument because if you're yes. seeing i just i mean i think it was just on your on your show i was listening to yesterday that if you if people are seeing the opposite of their political opinion on facebook or on twitter they're not going to stay on there they're going to be like fuck this i don't want to read about something i don't agree with but yep. you yeah, yeah, it's you scroll chamber. past it a little bit quicker, probably. Yeah, but if you keep them in that in that chamber of 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 yep. yeah, ex- 
tell just feed them exactly the information they want, whether it's you know factual or, or not, and it's pretty biased in that regard. Um, but it, it's really one sided, and I you bring up a great point because I mean, a lot of I know me and you part of our brand and really part of what we do is on social media. And sometimes I think that's unfortunate because it almost keeps you locked in in terms of having to maintain some sort of a presence. Uh, and I actually plan on over the holidays kind of taking a, a break, especially from Instagram. I'm going to completely delete the app for multiple oh, days and just maybe not, I'll, maybe I'll follow suit with you, buddy. Dude, it's the great Ryan. Shout out to Ryan, bullish millennial. He's the one who told me yesterday. He's like, "Hey man, like th- this five days that I did it, I learned more about myself than like I ever previously did." And he's like, "You know, th- this is Christmas week. Now might be a good time." And I'm like, yeah. "You know, you're actually right, man." So I think I think I'm gonna do that over the next week or so, mm. especially Instagram. That's 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 a big one. Um, yeah, big one for me. I, I well, it's important too to replace those. You know, we've really become cyborgs, uh, you know, with our with our Instagram identities and our, you know, our, our social media identities are are we, we get so wrapped up in, in, in those. Uh, it really becomes part of us. And what we do on there is really a large part of us. But it is important to replace the, you know, if, you know, I think if we're going to get rid of Instagram, uh, replace it with real wholesome human experiences. Uh, like, for example, I over the past few days you know like i said i was at that turning point usa event and i didn't i really i i'll have to look at my screen time but it was ridiculously low like usually my phone dies before the end of the day it it didn't die for a really long time like over two days like i didn't i just didn't spend time on any social media didn't post anything anywhere uh, not even a story on Instagram. And I was like, I didn't see anything from you from the event. No, no. And I, and I didn't even get any, I didn't even get any pictures or anything, <laughs> but I had, I had the best time of the year for, for me. Like I, I really, really did. It's been the highlight of, uh, of at least since March, I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, just with, with people making friends, uh, doing wholesome things together and, uh, I just, I don't think, you, you know, we, we don't just get rid of Instagram and delete it and then just like sit at home alone and, and do nothing, you know, uh, I think that it's got to be replaced. I feel like I had a random, random comment, but that's just, that's what came to mind. Let me tell you though, Nate, it was so, I it was so refreshing to have this human experience this weekend. I don't know about you, but I haven't with me having graduated, having, you know, so I don't go to school. I COVID or not, I, I work from home. I yep. work from anywhere. Uh, so I don't go into an office and see people every day. Uh, and um, so, yeah, with those things, I, it just amounted to, and I think this is the case for a lot of people. I, I haven't met anyone new my age in months. Yeah. I really I mean, haven't. Ditto, man. S- Maybe one here. or two. Thanks to Tinder, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, and, and I, I, I get out of my car uh, to go to the event for the first time in the parking garage. And, and I see this, uh, see this girl, we get on the elevator together and she, uh, she's like, this is your first, um, first event. And, and, uh, she stuck by my side really the whole event. And, uh, and we met, we made a bunch of other friends too. We had a whole, we had a group and, and I just, I expressed to her on the first night, uh, I was like, 
within probably an hour of meeting her, I was like, this is just so nice. So refreshing to meet someone new my age to be surrounded by all of these young people to be mm -hmm. surrounded by fearless human beings that, that are, uh, it was, I, we, t I, I guess we took, we took these uh, communal events for granted and uh, I really appreciated it. Uh, and I plan on, I don't plan on stopping. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I'm a little, I'm definitely, I was going to ask you how you, and for those of you who don't know, Jordan, can you give them like a little 30 second rundown kind of, of what that event and really turning point USA is as a whole? I feel like my followers might appreciate it. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the expert on it. Like I said, it was my first event, uh, but, but yeah, turning point USA is a, I guess it's an organization for young people, students, young professionals. Uh, uh, it's a conservative organization, probably one of the biggest in the world. Like there's like PragerU and, Turning Point USA. Uh, I mean, they're very different, but uh, but kind of similar. And um, yeah, Turning Point USA puts on an event uh, every year called the Student Action Summit. Uh, now it's mostly you know college students, high school students, but also yeah, young professionals as well. And and there you know there's adult tickets as well too. So yeah. and there's plenty of them there. And uh, so that's what it is. You know, people like uh, you know Mike Pence and usually. Uh, President Trump comes every year. He was, he just, he called in uh, from, uh, he, he got on the phone this year. He couldn't make it, but you know, Mike Pence was there yesterday and, and uh, I, I love Dave Rubin and, uh, oh, yeah. and, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, Tucker Carlson was there. Uh, Mike Lindell, which by the way, he blew me away. The My Pillow guy. Uh, yeah. He really, he, he, he probably, he probably had, yeah, he probably had one of the best talks. Um, really? But ironically, probably the most, he might have, he might have been the most unprepared. He was just like speaking from the heart, um, and he's just a jolly, happy, funny, lot like f guy that's full of life. I can't, I can't even believe it. Um, just, I, I'm impressed by his energy. Uh, he, he he really shows up. Uh, but yeah, it's just that's what it is. I, I guess I can't really describe it too well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's you you summed it up pretty well. I mean, it's basically, and like you said, these are really are fearless individuals in terms of not being part of that silent majority, especially because it's young people. I mean, it's a majority of college yeah. age students, which, as we talked about earlier, I mean, that takes some courage, especially if you actually do attend a, one of these big universities to actually go out and you know be a public yeah. public be a, con, a be a the, conservative. That's commendable. The, these are these are people who. They reject the stay home, remain terrified, question nothing narrative. They also reject and combat at every turn the weapon that is political correctness. Everyone I met uses their voice in some way, whether it's as simple as not, they don't give a shit. They, they, don't, they don't hesitate to share something on their story. Uh, they really don't. I, everyone I met was not a coward. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, <laughs> quite refreshing and gave me a lot of hope. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm glad. And I, I saw some of the, unfortunately I didn't, didn't get the chance to go this year, maybe next year, but I saw all of it on, on social and it was looked like a great event. I think that's a good, good segue into really one of the last main topics I wanted to touch on here, which, which is COVID. And really you've interviewed some people who've had some opinions on that. And I think you said yourself, myself, and really everybody at that event was rejecting this narrative of 
like you said, stay home, remain terrified, question nothing in terms of just listening to what we're told yeah. and not to think any think deeper at all about it. And I, and you touched on this in your episode with Tom Woods, but in March, when this whole thing kind of happened and the NBA shut down and the, the airports shut down. And I remember that cause I was in the space in March. But, fine. Yeah. I was that exactly. A lot of unknowns. It's, it's, it's in March. We, we don't know what we're dealing with. There's there's, we've never seen this before. It's novel that I get it, but now we're 10, nine, 10 months into this thing. I mean, how has your opinion changed from March till now on, on this yeah. whole COVID thing? Yeah, in March, I probably I took it uh, relatively seriously. Yeah, I really stayed home. I, I did follow the rules very much. I even wore gloves in the grocery store in Whole Foods. I, I, did. I did as well. Yeah. You just didn't know. You didn't know. And I was even uh, I, I was I was driving. Uh, I was set to drive my parents, not my my grandparents up from Delray beach, Florida to uh, New Jersey. Cause that's where they stay in the summer. Hmm. And you know, they weren't going to take a plane this year. And I was, uh, it was June at the time. And, and I was still uh, cautious and, and uh, definitely uh, relatively fearful of it. Uh, not for my own safety, but definitely for others. And, and I was, you know, I remember being on the phone with my, my uh my mom and you know just we're talking about like the the you know just preparing for the drive and um i was like and we were all supposed to meet at the beach house that weekend and you know I, not just my immediate family but like you know uncles cousins at right and, and i was like tell my mom everyone needs to quarantine for seven days before like i think i i think that would be smart uh, I think that would be the responsible thing to do. Like I was, so I was really, uh, I was on like capo level, you know, like <laughs> back in Nazi Germany, like, like I was, I was almost like a capo at that point. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think was, is I interesting was, that you had that perspective. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm speaking for myself. You just said like, I, I remember wearing full mask, me and my, my girlfriend at the time wore gloves into the store. And it was like, Hey, like, we'll just, we didn't know, like, like we said, we didn't know, but now studies come out. There's, there's data to back up things in terms of masks and, and lockdowns and if they really yeah. do prevent anything. And like I said, you and Tom Woods touched on this again, jordanparis.com slash EP223 for that episode. Um, but like Tom says, it's really, it, our, our society has just become filled with all these buzzwords and, and phrases that are just supposed to, to supposedly resonate with people. Yeah. But anybody who knows anything about the CCP and, and what China's going through, I mean, this is clear propaganda and, like yeah, propaganda slogans like "follow the science," uh, "stay home, save lives." I mean, there's there was similar I, in my conversation with Dasha Pruitt, uh, who grew up in Moscow, Russia. I mean, the, the, it's, this is not a new thing. Mm. Which I think is important for people to realize that this isn't this isn't the first time like we're seeing things like this. People who've lived in Russia and and the former Yugoslavia and and people who are really from have a more worldly perspective, quite frankly, than a lot of Americans are seeing what's happening and they're scared. And yeah. just a real quick example of that is how this year or in the election in, in 2020, a large majority of the Cuban population 
swung, especially in, you know, in the Florida area, swung for Trump. And people were surprised about that. But anybody no who knows, that, again, the first thing about Cuba and the United States is that Cuba is, was literally quite the opposite of, of the United States in terms of communism and capitalism. People who fled that country came to America for the reason that it is America and the opportunity and, and the society that we have here. And now the one side is promising it to keep that going, what brought them here in the first place. And the other side wants to make America into basically a bigger version of Cuba. I mean, who do you think that these people are going to vote for? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 oh, really, oh, oh, I was just trying to remember the, 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 uh, the, the question. Um, yeah. So my evolution in, in the virus. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what yeah. do you feel so, now? Well, yeah, you know what I feel. Um, I mean, the, 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 I mean, you'll never hear it because the media and the elites, they practice scientific fascism. They just, they shove only some science, the, the scientists favorable to their conclusions down your throat, down our throats. Uh, but it, the data is quite clear now. If you go to tomwoods.com slash COVID or jordanparis.com slash EP223 for the episode, uh, I mean, the, there's, there's plenty, 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 plenty of data that, that shows it's very clear that lockdowns and mask mandates do not work. They just don't. And once I, once I saw that, I, 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 it, it was like a breath of fresh air, quite literally. Um, and, but even, even before then, I was like skeptical of it. Uh, I've started to get skeptical of it towards the end of summer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I like <laughs> my, my grandparents got like pissed at me for bringing someone into the house. Cause I was taking care of them all summer. I didn't see, I didn't see anybody for months because of them to protect them. Mm. I hadn't hung out with any of my friends for months because of them to take care of them, to protect them. I gave everything. I was a good little grandson. Yeah. Like I, I, I followed the, the, I, I wasn't in Florida all summer. <laughs> Just mm. take, it was supposed to be like a week trip. And I ended up being there for two and a half months, two <laughs> over two months. Right. Uh, and uh, I obeyed every rule and, and I, and God forbid, I just hang out with one person for the first time in months and they, they, they could, they weren't having it. Hmm. And that, and that was really an inflection point for me where I was like, fuck this. <laughs> like, yeah, like this is just making, this is just making th these restrictions are just making me miserable. We're going to live our lives in fear, stare at a wall all day. Like, like you're going to be alive, but what are you going to be? You, but you're gonna be alive and staring at a wall. Like, like it's not a life worth living. We're just going to go on like this forever living. There is inherent risk in all things in living. What am I going to do? Wear a helmet because I, because it yeah, say wear a helmet, save lives because, because it, it, it I mean, yeah, I, I have no doubt that wearing a helmet while you drive in the car, it'll save, it'll, it's, it'll save lives. But it's just a stupid fucking thing yeah, to but do. Does, but does that mean? We, but does that mean we all need to 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 do it? I mean, not necessarily. And you bring up a, a good point that I want to touch on. Just bringing my grandparents into this picture. Unfortunately, my grandma's the only one still alive. But again, 
like yours at the beginning she lives with my aunt and uncle not seeing anybody nobody's allowed in the house again perfectly fine had easter over zoom cool like we don't know but now almost with it being christmas time i mean she's she's almost 90 years old and these people are again towards the generously they're towards the tail end of their lives and i think a lot of them and i'm not speaking for everybody but a lot of them would almost rather take that chance of seeing their family, their their sons and daughters, their grand grandchildren for a f- maybe a handful more times that they have left. They would rather almost take that risk and again, maintain distance. And if they want to wear a mask, that's yeah. fine. But in terms of not allowing people to, to do anything, Trump said it best, the, yeah. the, the, the solution cannot be worse than the problem itself. And yeah. that is exactly what has happened and for yourself not being able to see people. I mean, I saw a crazy stat and granted this is in the United States, but like, I think it was something, something along the lines of don't quote me on this, but all of the suicides in 20, like the amount of suicides that happened in the last month in Japan accounted for like all of 2019 and half of 2018 or something like that. Like that's staggering right there. And that's not, yes, people, people, I mean, you you mentioned old people that, uh, you know, you're, grandmother's like 90 and uh yeah there's data that shows that a lot of elderly people are just losing the will to live and that's killing them and there is uh uh, you know the the suicides and the preventable cancer deaths because treatment was stopped and because of covid and logistical complications and the data is that i'm seeing is pretty clear that not only do they not work lockdowns and mask mandates, but lockdowns specifically, they hurt more than they help. And I just, I, who is the government to put you essentially on house arrest for weeks or months at a time? Cause they, they've made some rash conclusion on some unscientific, never before tried method of, of curing a novel virus. It's never this is not in in plagues and 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 uh, and the like all throughout history this was never a thing Completely. like what is it it's it's just so it's just so stupid and for very good reason it's 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 again that doesn't necessarily that that's not a medical solution to the disease that's oh in theory if we stop people from traveling then people will stop spreading but that's again things sound great in theory just like socialism sounds great yes. in theory but when you actually apply it it doesn't work and i think that's that's well, important to make well i you know i i nate i i think of the difference between leftists and conservatives and it's really the inability to engage in nuanced thinking versus the ability to engage in nuanced thinking and consider the unintended consequences, have the ability to consider the unintended consequences, which is, uh, I believe, uh, what conservatives really do. I think that the the left likes to oversimplify everything. Quite literally. And be totalistic in their statements. Like, you know, defund the police. All cops are bad. Like, it's just too rash and totalistic and not thought through no data behind it it's just 
it's just dumb. It's it's just, it's, it's, it's just dumb. lazy thinking. And they do it because they know that they can, again, they can keep people engaged. They can stir up opinion. They can make people rile up. They can get people to come out and support their, their yeah. cause, whether it's, you know, just or not, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. Well, they're just, yeah, they're just inciting. I mean, they're just, they're, they're classical Marxists. They're, they're just inciting class struggle. Not, and, and, and when I say cultural Marxism, I mean, you know, obviously Marxism was the the class struggle between the rich and the poor, but cultural Marxism, the, the, class struggle between black and white between you know so between races between genders we're, we're seeing this gender war we're seeing this race war being incited out of nothing out of incited where a, a race war a gender war being incited where it really didn't exist uh and, and people are just propagating disseminating this that this that this war is going on when it's really not, and but it is becoming a self fulfilling prophecy, and now we're really at all out war. Uh, so that's is that's cultural Marxism pitting different types of people, different genders, ethnicities, races uh, against each other, very much the way uh, in Marxism, rich and poor, uh, you, you pit them against each other. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you made that distinction because it is it it is pretty important. It's kind of scary, quite quite honestly, to to, to see how a lot of people and, and, and mainstream people and people with influence have, have picked up on this and they're just, they're just spitting it out for, for the general public to, to hear. And I mean, if you, unfortunately, you get enough people to do that, you get them to do it for long enough. A lot of people start to just abandon whether they had some sort of belief or some sense of, you know, just righteousness. And they just go towards this thing that they're being just flooded, overstimulated with, with information about. Um, and just to, to kind of, tie all the whole COVID thing in together. We're recording this at the end of December, 2020. And quite literally just this week was when the the third wave, I guess, of the, the newest stimulus package here in the US was announced. And I think I said here in the US because our government created it, but I'm going to read you some 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 funding stats, which I think are yes. are pretty interesting. I mean, inside of this inside of this deal, which is almost it's close to three trillion dollars, we have a billion dollars of fund, and this is all paid for. This is just paid for in theory. This money is just being created out of nothing. Which we're not even going to go down the financial implications of that. But you know, me and you and our kids are going to have a tough time dealing oh. with that one. <laughs> oh, ex- oh, yeah, yeah. Here's a. Can I re- hold your your statistics? I'll read you a, sat- a satire headline from the the Babylon B. The let's see, uh, mm-hmm. gang of masked bandits steals another few trillion from your grandchildren, and picture of Pelosi and and the like. I hope people, yeah, people on YouTube can definitely see that. That's funny. But I mean, it's, again, you, you made it, you've made a great point that the the left doesn't think about the long-term consequences. No, no. Nancy Pelosi's and and, and these are, these are old politicians. These are old people that don't have to deal with the consequences down the road. It's similar to like FDR. And in when he, when he implemented social security, and uh, essentially for political favor and to uh, win in to, to, yeah, for political favor, just to, just to, as like a marketing ploy. And now here we are almost a hundred years later dealing with a, a huge disaster on our hands that can really never be repealed. It's, and now it's wonderful. It's benefiting so many elderly people today. Like I, you know, my, uh, my grandfather, uh, he's, he's, 
living uh, uh, wonderfully in his retirement home because of Social Security. But you and I, you know, we're going to be we're, we're going to be putting, and we do with our taxes. I, I I pay so much to so much of my taxes, and our taxes go to Social Security, a huge percentage. I believe wow. it's between fifteen and twenty five percent. Don't quote me on it, but I was reading about it the other day, and we're never going to see a penny from it. I, I assure you that, and and it's the it's so effed. It's it's not even funny. It's literally it's just a pyramid scheme. It's giving out more than it's taking in, and and Wait, and the requirements are are getting more lenient. You know, the age going up. Uh, you can retire. Yeah, you retire. Uh, you retire earlier, and and uh, and 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 maybe we'll give more. And it's just it's just becoming more and more of a disaster. Like if I were to. It's funny. I, I I said to my dad the other week, if I were to ever run for president, I'd run on social security reform. But he's like, George Bush tried to do that, didn't work, and uh, and he he changed up, and because that's a disaster. I mean, it's just not good marketing. Like you're gonna take away, you're you're gonna, it doesn't sound good for a lot of people. You're gonna take away our our money, like our our free, you know, we we. Our benefits when we retire, like it's just, it's just not a winning campaign. But if I were president, maybe this will come out to bite me fifty years from now. But I'm all for social security reform. Mm. And <laughs> I think yeah, it needs I, to be. FDR just put it something in place that he didn't have to fucking deal with. Yeah. Now we're and now we're the ones you know forking the bill and and the millennials and Gen Z and we're the ones paying like you said that 20 percent social security tax. I remember back when I was W two and I'd look at my paycheck and that was when I didn't understand taxes and I was just like, what the hell am I like? What is all this? And you and you look at some of these numbers and you're like, like you said, are we ever going to see a dime of this? Most no. likely not. And that's no. if the dollar itself just doesn't crash and burn in the next yep. decade because we're printing this out of thin air but yeah i mean it's like i said it's been great i mean people now receiving their benefits they you know they've paid about an average of 560 and give it give or take a few thousand dollars uh i'm citing what i remember from this report but you know they paid an average in taxes into the social security trust fund of five hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars, and they're receiving about five hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars in return over the course of their uh their when they're eligible for their benefits and so it's a really it's been it's been a good thing Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's going to very quickly become, you know, we're putting in, I'm probably going to put millions of dollars in, in my lifetime and I'm going to see zero. Exactly. Exactly. Same, and the same thing, the same thing with, uh, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff too. Yeah. And that, and that, <laughs> and that's a whole nother, that's a whole, but the, stim- the stimulus, the stimulus statistics. Right. Right, right. I was going to say, yeah, this because this is basically breaking. I mean, some people haven't probably haven't heard of this, but Trump, Trump had a press conference about it yesterday. And I mean, Again, this is a stimulus bill meant to support the citizens of the United States. And the big stat being thrown around right now is that each American, if they qualify, so it's a percentage of Americans, are getting $600 per person, which we know is basically nothing. Um, (laughs) And I think it's interesting to real quick point out that families of people who are legal aliens, excuse me, are eligible to receive up to $18. $1,800 in stimulus, which is about- It's so dumb. It's, it, and this is, why, this is why we're in such a disaster right now. Uh, I mean, if you're going to make an argument for socialism, it really only works and if you have a really tight border. You can't give out benefits to anyone and everyone that comes in illegally. You have to have a really tight, you have to have border security. If you're going to- if you're going to do 
socialism. Uh, that's the only way. Like if you look at, uh, you know, uh, the Netherlands or, or Finland, I forget which. Maybe they both do it well, but um, you know, they have. Re- it's it's really hard to get in there. They don't give their they don't give their benefits. They out to everyone. But anyway, so I'm just another disaster I'm commenting on. As yeah, you read this and, out. and again, the long the long term thinking of these people who are proposing this just isn't there. But the re- the real distinction I wanted to make is the fact that this is again this is stimulus for the U.S. supposedly created out of money that was just printed by the Federal Reserve out of th- thin air. And in this proposed stimulus bill, which again Americans are getting six hundred dollars each, which is virtually nothing, we're giving a billion dollars to Egypt. We're giving 700 million to Sudan. We're giving 453 million to Ukraine, 500 million to Israel. I mean, the, the list of these countries, which we don't necessarily, I wouldn't consider them enemies. I mean, some of them are not exactly our allies, but we don't agree with them on a lot. And the funding, I mean, the, the big number is the, the 500 million that's going to, to, to Pakistan for gender studies. Oh, are want- you kidding? Yeah, I did. I, I did hear that. And I, and I didn't, I was like, is that a thing? It's, it's, I didn't it's read too much into it. It's oh, that's, thing. that's brutal. It, it that's just, brutal. It, it, it's, it, it's how, how many, how much money? I think it's like, I think it's to the tune of 500 million. So five, yeah. So whatever, 500 million or, or whatever, if, if it's a little bit less, a little bit more, uh, 500 million to how to hate biology 101. I mean, this is this is education. <laughs> what are we educating people on? How oh, it's not just so dumb. Oh biology, how to fail biology class. But again, we will not even dive into that. We're gonna have to have another episode because we got a bunch of other topics we could yes. <laughs> could dive into. But I think it's just this is this just got proposed by the the Senate. It was passed by the House earlier this week. Trump got it. Trump vetoed it for very good reason, which we just brought up. But Trump wants to give everybody two thousand dollars in stimulus money, the average American. And it's just funny seeing people on the left get mad about the stimulus that was proposed because it's nothing, but then they realize the dude who they hate and the ones who they, the people they voted for are the ones proposing this. And the guy that they hate is the one trying to give them more money, which I think is just kind of, kind of ironic considering most yeah. of these people don't work, don't work anyways. Um, so yeah. just, yeah. Any, any thoughts on, on that? And really just, just not, what, a, not, yeah, not a fan of any of it, dude. Uh, you know, six hundred dollars, two thousand dollars, not a fan. I mean, what, what? Where is this money coming from? Just going to add to an exploding, uh, uh, total uh, debt in our money owed in our country. Like it's just, it's a, it's an absolute unmitigated disaster, and and there, it it cannot continue at this rate forever. Like something has to give at at some point. It could really result in a significant unprecedented financial disaster. Uh, read uh, what is the what is the book? Oh, Plunder and Deceit by Mark Levin. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He he covers he covers this the debt in I believe chapter 2 uh, and it's and it's pretty scary. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm just not like I'm not a fan of it. Uh, just just open up. Uh, just stop with the unscientific never before tried inhumane authoritarian communistic lockdowns maybe if we that's, just let, that's just what it is maybe if we let these small businesses you know operate and and try to make a living for themselves and you know instead all of, of instead employees. of just instead of just the big box stores instead right, of just the big corporations mind, i can go into letting them, I can go in, yeah i can go into a home depot and there's like 400 people in there some wearing masks some not and that's again perfectly fine but the tiny coffee shop on the end of my road 
I have to wait outside for five minutes because they only allow two people inside. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense and it's pick and choose. And like you said, there's the big box retailers, the, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And I'm usually that statements. I'm kind of just like, that's dumb because it's up to people and they're, it's, it's a loaded statement, but in this context, it's very much true because the, the people who are fighting for years and putting their whole life on the line in terms of throwing everything into their business to these brick and mortar locations in terms of like coffee shops and restaurants and things like that, these people are just done. And I just think the stat is between June and September, I want to say it was like 160,000 small businesses closed that will never reopen. I mean, that's 160,000 entrepreneurs who you just killed yeah. Not only that, now, but keep in mind all their employees. These yeah, are hundreds of millions play, of people. To play devil's advocate, I, I would be really curious to see how many businesses would have closed, if, you know, how, how many businesses closed in the same time frame uh, minus a pandemic, right? And like, what is the net gain or loss? You know, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's still pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. What's going on? I mean, and I, it, you know, it's obvious that hundreds of thousands of restaurants are just needlessly, uh, uh, unfortunately, closing because of these uh, arbitrary restrictions. And yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, those are those are, I guess, those are my my thoughts on on, on stimulus and and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a, and yeah, we're coming on the stupidity of the lockdowns. Uh, it's just. I think it just goes back to that. I, I, I'm not a fan of adding uh, trillions more to the debt. Not a fan. And I, and I definitely want you just to, because we were talking about this before we started recording, but this book for people on YouTube behind me, it's called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And it was written by Klaus Schwab, who is the chairman of the World Economic Forum, who is proposing what's known as the Great Reset. And in the- but I, it's, a con- just, it's a conspiracy theory, Nate. It's a conspiracy theory because the information that you find online absolutely makes zero fucking sense. I mean, I spent hours and hours trying to figure out for my episode I just released earlier this week on the Great Reset, trying to figure out what it was. And I mean, I'm just dove into this book, which in the first sentence or in the first chapter, rather, is saying how lockdowns are a good thing, which, again, blows my mind. But um, it's there's no information about it. And it's pretty easy for something to be labeled as a conspiracy when there's basically no like nothing in terms of what they're actually proposing. I mean, the two videos that you can find online of the Great Reset is basically just showing the worst of the world in terms of forest fires, tornadoes, like just all this natural devastation. And you're just like, what am I watching here? Like, what does this have anything to do with like these proposed policies? But the reason I want to touch on this is because we're seeing a lot of radical things being proposed or potentially being proposed in the near future. And 2021 is really going to be interesting in terms of one, where COVID goes, but two, across the world, I mean, obviously our world has changed. Business will forever be changed in terms of doing things over Zoom and and things like that. We're not denying that kind of change, but some of these things, which are quite literally just taking away the rights of people is change that, you know, people like me and you are not in favor of. And I just ran a poll on my Instagram a few weeks back about the vaccines and Trump. We both voted for Trump. We can openly say that, but there's some things I don't agree with him on. And I'm also open Mm -hmm. about that. And one of those things has not only just been the concept of this COVID vaccine, but how quickly it was rushed. And I'm, they call it operation warp speed. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just really not a fan of it for a lot of different reasons 
but really just how quickly they're looking to get this to market. And I've been critical of Trump the entire way about it. And and now we're seeing yeah, wow. the, first, yeah. the first waves of, of this come into the healthcare workers, not only yeah. overseas, but also in the United States. I, I'm curious. I didn't see you vote in my poll, but I'll I'll give you give yeah. you some slack. What's your I, I probably I probably uh, I mean, I, I see your stories, but I probably abstained just because I didn't know where I stood, depending on when you posted that. But uh, perhaps you were the person that messaged me about this issue a few weeks back. Uh, I believe someone messaged me about my thoughts. I think I on was. This. I mean, yeah, I don't know what I what I said. I mean, my thinking definitely evolves, uh, especially with the speed at which things are happening nowadays and right now uh, with this situation. But uh, yes, okay. So I've heard doctors that say, you know, I, that aren't in the public light at all but you know just my uh my uh my salesperson uh, within my company uh he was telling me uh you know how you know this doctor that he was uh speaking with he's you know he's like i read the i read the studies i read and, and i've never seen a vaccine that looked this good so you hear stuff like that uh you hear bad things uh i can't think of it a ton but yeah regardless i mean it was really rushed. Uh, but I was, if you, what's, what is her name? Dr. Dr. Gold. Oh yes. Dr. Simone Gold. I saw her mm. at the, uh, event this weekend on a panel with, uh, her and another doctor and a panel discussion. And, uh, bottom line, what she said for our age, you know, for our age, Nate, you and I, I'm, I'm 23. I mean, you're maybe a couple of years younger, maybe 21, right? 20. 20. Yeah. Well, yes. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> That's wow. <laughs> I really thought of you as a little bit, a little bit older. Maybe. Like I wanted, I wanted to hear how, well, you said 21. I'll, I'll give you, you're yeah. close, but I wanted to hear how old people think I am. It's always. Fun. Yeah. But uh, bottom line for everybody under 50, uh, she and, and her team and in her research, they, they've determined that absolutely not. Do not, considering the, the, uh, the infection and survival rates, and uh, absolutely not. Do not take this vaccine. Uh, and even it really only starts to make sense when you get into the 95% survival rate of people like 75 plus. It, and even then, she doesn't exactly recommend it. And I, I feel like one of the reasons she doesn't recommend it is because, I mean, Fauci, who everybody just points to as this this god on earth, apparently, he's even said himself. False prophet. Very, very true. Of Yes, quite literally. But he's the Bible on, warns of false prophets many you, times you all throughout. Up. It's true. It's true. And this, and we're living in a world where there's many that people that we can point to who, who are that, but he, Fauci himself, again, who everybody says, follow the science, believe the doctors. Fauci has said that this vaccine does not prevent the spread of the disease. Yeah. And that's might be this one of the reasons why these doctors are, are citing the way that they do, because not only is it rushed and is it the first MRNA vaccine to ever be approved on humans ever, but for that exact reason, it's it doesn't even stop the spread of what we're trying to stop. And to, yeah. to your point of, and, of kids, especially, it's like not only is our rate of contracting this very low. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have yet to to even have no, COVID. No, absolutely. Symptoms, absolutely not. Nothing. But the survival rate is ninety nine point nine nine seven. Right. Right. So this is. It's, it's an irrational fear. 
completely irrational that, that a lot of people have. Uh, so this is a funny little political cartoon that I'll read off. It's a, it's a doctor giving someone a shot, you know, the vaccine. Yeah. So now I'm immune, right? No, you can still get it. But do I still have to wear a mask? Yes. Is the manufacturer liable if I'm harmed? No. So why did I do this? No idea. I'm just following orders, says the doctor. <laughs> it's funny. And uh, yeah, a lot of sheeple. A lot of, we're, we're seeing who the sheeple are in, uh, in 2020. That's, that's, what we've, that's, that's, that's what we've seen, who the sheeple are and who, who, uh, who are the critical thinkers. And it really just comes down to that because when you when you look just even a little and this is kind of what I what I want to make the the real point of this episode. I'll let yourself kind of go in on like ninety little ninety second things if you want to hammer home some points. But really, we're coming up on two hours here, and I think that it's really important mm-hmm. to to make the distinction that if we just look a little bit deeper beyond the headlines and beyond what we yes. see on CNN and beyond what we see on Twitter, I mean, this is really where people get their news from, which is scary. But if we just do a little bit of research into what these things actually are and this and the the true science from both sides behind yes. them will be very surprised what you think because I had a lot of hate come my way from that vaccine story and I I people are messaging me and they're in college and they're like oh well, well have you looked at this that and the other thing and they send me these CNN articles and I'm just like oh shut you, up. you can you can send me whatever you want but I've I personally I've done a lot of research on vaccines and especially for I'm questionable of them across the board yeah. but especially for something where one I have yet to get Two, it doesn't prevent me from even getting the disease. And like you said in that cartoon, they're still saying that after we all get this vaccine, we're still going to have to wear the masks. Yeah. So what am I getting it for? For yeah. what? Like, it, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Dude, I, I want to comment. I'll comment on the, uh, you know, the source, you know, the sources, like, you know, some of the sending CNN articles uh, and just, just general, just, yeah, like points that I'll, that I want to hammer home here. Yeah. Go be on. aware of, he- be aware of headline propaganda. It's real. Stop sharing articles because the headline without reading the actual article. Beware of headline propaganda. And if you didn't already know, which people that have kept this on this whole time, they most likely already know this. CNN, New York Times, Vox, most of these things most of these uh i don't even want to I, I don't want to call them a publication like it's just it's it's too much respect for they, they just don't deserve that respect they're just uh they're just propaganda sites uh yeah. it's it's really uh, they're they're hate no they're hate sites that's what they are hmm. um the cnn new york times vox all these all these hate sites they, they are not sources in any way it's so funny like just the 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 epitome of this is you know, I, I I posted a story like, you know, do you think Trump is racist? And then the next one was, okay, why? And somebody sent me a New York Times opinion article. And I, I said, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did they even did they even look past the headline? Like it was. Probably- yeah, it was like New York Times nytimes.com slash opinion slash Trump hyphen racist. Like, like it's just so <laughs> stupid. Oh my God. So uh, yeah. And there's like some on the other day that agree that disagrees with me on every, everything. This total, I, I've never seen a bigger Marxist in my life, uh, a functioning Marxist in America. I, I couldn't even, I, this guy is 
weird. Uh, but he's sending me this email with all these sources from Vox, from CNN, New York Times. Like, I'm just like, you're stupid. <laughs> you're living in a false, like, you're, you're living in a false reality. Well, it's, you know, I hate to use that word because, you know, leftists say conservatives are brainwashed. Conservatives say leftists are brainwashed. Oh, Everyone thinks, every, we all think each other are, are brainwashed. And, you know, so... <laughs> and obviously, obviously, you know, we, we, you know, uh, as conservatives, they like, uh, oh, they're the ones that are really brainwashed and leftists. They're, they say conservatives are the ones that are really brainwashed. I'm not. Yeah. So we have this self-serving bias that we have to be aware of here. Fair enough. Uh, Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the, those are just some things that I, that I would say uh, that those are not sources and be aware of headline propaganda. Yeah, and I think especially because to, to kind of bring this whole conversation full circle, as we talked about in the beginning, the social platforms and, and people's attention and getting people on there, they know that a majority of our population just looks at the headline and will send that off to five people who they disagree with and go, see, look, I told you, look at this yeah. article. And but and they know that, and that's how they get it shared around. And then that person sends it to somebody else, and they know exactly what they're doing. And really, it's I think you'd agree with this. It's really up to us as the population and the, the end consumers of this to really make that switch and, and de deplatform ultimately these these media organizations that have just been around for so long and they're 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 spreading this one sided one sided shun. story, which yeah, shun them, we, shun them shun the new york times shun cnn shun these mainstream media outlets shun facebook don't use it i i really should get all i i i'm really considering getting off there uh i'm, I'm th these are, why shun them they are the enemy they're the enemy they're taking they they're they're stealing from you they're stealing your data they know too much about you uh, speaking to Facebook, just a crime against humanity, Facebook is. And uh, and they're influencing the world in a really terrible way, influencing elections in really uh, unethical ways. And uh, Zuckerbuck's that, that effort, uh, just, a, just a maniacal, uh, devious, evil, mm. evil person. I I, th I I truly think just just the scum of the earth that guy, and uh, and and yeah just and the uh, and the the hate websites, CNN. I, Trump Trump is always is so prophetic. He sees things that I, I he'll say things that in the moment I'm like ah you know that's a stretch, but then I'll be like months later oh whoa he was right. And yeah. something that he said a while ago was. The media is the enemy of the people. It's a big one. Couldn't be more true. Yeah, and I think people are really now, and unfortunately, just to, I feel like a lot of these media, if, if unfortunately, it looks like we might be headed for a Biden presidency. And if we do, yep. these media organizations are going to have absolutely nothing to fucking, you know what's going to happen? In February and March, we're yep. going to see these these news sources, CNN, et cetera, start to write about things that like if if Trump was elected, here's what this would look like. Or remember when Trump did this, like they're not going to have anything to talk right. about. Well, I mean, well, I mean, what it's going to be is everything that everything good that happens is going to be Joe Biden's fault. Everything bad that happens is it's because of it's because Trump was president from 2016 to 2020. It's 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 so funny. The 
it's such a it's a childlike tendency to take credit and deflect all responsibility take credit for all the good things and deflect responsibility of all the bad things i really i the the, the forever image of the democrat party and leftists is a screaming crying eight-year-old yep we can all picture it right now we all see it it's and and there's a reason for that it's because that's the that's really ultimately the majority of what what they do how they react to things and like you said it's very childish because we talked about covid i think it's interesting to blame a worldwide pandemic on one person being Donald Trump, but when Trump blames it on the country where it originated, right. it's somehow xenophobic that he closed it down. It, it, it just, right. The double standard is real. And so, I think a lot of people are waking up to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can see it's such a stark contrast. You know, uh, the journal, this is another satire thing from the Babylon Bay. You probably saw I posted it last night. The journalist guide to reporting on politicians people die of a virus on his watch. If it's a Republican, every death is in human history is his fault. If it's a Democrat, Cuomo, give him an Emmy. Oh my goodness. Don't even get me me started, but it's, oh my God. It's, it's the, the double standard. It's been here we've seen it. We've known about it, but Overall, I think people are really being awakened to that. And this year kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. And that's really ultimately what kind of motivated me to do this is because I I love having conversations like this, number one, just for myself, but I really am trying to get people, the whole goal of this thing is just to get people to look, like I said, look beyond the headlines, look deeper than just question things, question things. Don't question nothing. Do not remain home. Do not remain terrified and, and don't, and question things because that's the only way you get the truth. If you just sit there and stare at a TV and read what CNN puts across the bottom, you're going to get, you're going to get some information, but it's not going to be nearly as accurate as you think it is. And it's going to be spun through this propaganda wheel to get it exactly what they want. You need to go, and I, and this could even go for both sides. I'll be equally as critical of places like Fox News, which some people say is right, but if you actually watch it, it's very, very left actually. But the equal, they they do this equally. And the only people have asked me, "Hey Nate, how do I like?" I, I agree with what you're saying, but how do I find the real information? And to that, I mean, I would love to hear your take on this, but yeah. I don't have a real answer for you. It's you've yeah. got to, well, you've got to, you've got to do your, you've got to do your digging. You've got to go to multiple sources. You have to go directly to the source itself sure. rather than going through a third party. So I quite literally, uh, this could be yeah. one of the last questions, but I don't know how to answer people when they say that. Hey, yeah. Nate, how do I find the truth? I mean, Jordan, I'd yeah. love to hear your your thoughts on that. Look, I I watch CNN. I watch I watch all the outlets. I do. I read the New York Times sometimes. I um, I read CNN. I read conservative sites. I listen to conservative podcasts. I listen to podcasts that I know I disagree with. I I see for, with my own eyes. Uh, I, I for example, the event that I was at this weekend and the way. It was portrayed in the media. It was just, oh my god, uh, and, and it, it was just, just some hilarious things that were that were said about the event. And I'm, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking at like headlines and tweets, like in disbelief. 
uh, of, of people talking about it who, you know, weren't there. Um, of course, of course. And, and I, well, it's just, it's, it's hilarious the way they do. These people do mental gymnastics to spin it the way they want to, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do. I, I get from a wide, uh, number of sources. And it's really funny that I, I don't, I think a lot of conservatives, they watch CNN, they watch, they, they, they seek out, um, they, they spend time, uh, they're not, af- they're really not afraid to, uh, listen to the other side. Uh, and, and, and in fact, they do it quite often and mm-hmm. I do it quite often, but it's very rare that you'll see a leftist that consumes say Newsmax or one America news or even Fox. You just won't, or the Candace Owens show. Absolutely not. Or the Matt Walsh show or the, or Ruben report. You will not see that they're intellectual cowards. No, that that's, that's exactly right. I mean, they don't want to, they don't want to see anything that, that could potentially it, dis all, dude, their theory. All really, all it takes is, is five minutes of, of hearing a conservative view. A, a lot of times if, if put together, uh, compellingly. I don't know if people do this when they listen to me, but in a lot of cases, uh, it, it just takes five minutes of listening to uh, a conservative conservative thinking to undo 20 years of uh, leftist progressive, quote unquote, thinking and education. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's why I've really, I've really tried to, I think that's great advice because again, I've talked about this with other people, but uh, that's something else I try and personally have in 2020, I've tried to do this a lot better myself. I, I mean, I'm guilty of really before, again, just kind of being in that echo chamber of, oh, you see, you read the things you want to read. You you see the things you want to see that reinforce your opinion because you want to feel good. But the way to really yeah. figure out, one, how much you actually know, and two, to just get more educated on, on any subject, COVID, anything, is to look at the opposite opinion. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with it, but you find out relatively quickly whether you, whether, Oh, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. I mean, that's why I'm reading this COVID book right here. Like I have, yes. I have my thoughts on what the great reset is and I have my biases, but I don't know if yeah. it's true. And I tried to do some research, couldn't find enough. So I bought a book straight from the source itself. Well, the guy I'll be buying, I'll be buying that book myself as well. I, when, when you told me about it beforehand, I, uh, I was like, I, I, I knew I was going to get that book. Yeah, it's and I would and again for people people watching or listening, it's called COVID nineteen: The Great Reset, and it's really just talking about. I just started diving into it, but it's about what could be proposed. In this is from a worldly perspective, what could be proposed in the coming months or years? And I'm really my goal is to to kind of wrap home this point. I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to figure out. A, if I'm correct, but B, just to be as educated as possible, consume all of the information, watch the videos, go straight to the source. The person who wrote this book is the head of the the committee that proposed this. It's like, you got to go as deep as you possibly can. And you got to spend some money. You got to buy some books. Yeah. Be your own, be your own uh, investigative journalist, really. Yeah, because I hate, and we agree with this, Jordan. We both see this that the, these journalists aren't journalists. They're pushing their opinion onto the people who yeah. somehow read them. You got to be your own investigative journalist. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that uh, 
James O'Keefe, obviously of Project Veritas, he he hammered home this weekend in his talk. Was he was he at the event? Was James? Yes, there? yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, I got a hat over there from him. It's uh, it's an upside down Twitter logo with instead of with an X over the eyes, like it's a dead, a dead Twitter bird. bird. That's. <laughs> That's hilarious. He also hilarious. he was he was giving out hats too that said make journalism great again too. I mean, he's doing some good work over there and talk and people can say what they want, but again, consume all sides. If you don't know what Project Veritas is, go look it up. I'm you'll be yeah. surprised. You'll find he's, some, some he's one of the few investigative journalists left. Really great work. Yeah, and I think people like that and hopefully and people like us ultimately who have the, the courage enough and hopefully we inspire other people to 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 start speaking out about this themselves. But I think people like us and people like that are only going to get, I don't want to use the word influence because that's a kind of a dirty word, but going to get more and more accepted in terms of what we, what we're saying and people more, more and more people are going to realize that we're speaking from a place of, of knowledge and research and ultimately truth. Like we are, we're saying the things and we believe what we believe because we've done the work we've done the research to kind of form these opinions as to your point in the beginning of the leftists are very it's just yeah. almost what they what they see is what they what they what they see is what they say and they don't even think twice about it it's, yeah yeah they just they're just these are nate and i'll wrap with this that these are pop culture enthused empty-headed talking point parroting really naive people that yeah they're just parroting uh talking points a lot of the time there are a few, I, th- there are a few people that impress me that really do uh that that really do uh do this level of um i guess to use a buzzword research uh so to say mm-hmm. uh but you know what i i, I read so, here's a book uh quotations from mal Setung. this one is uh by joseph Stalin, dialectical and historical materialism and other writings. And also uh, I'm reading, almost done reading the communist manifesto right now is over there. And uh, the doctrine of fascism. Oh yeah, here it is. Short little thing. I did that over a month ago. Um, Get it, getting it straight from the horse's mouth. Now, kind of what you were saying. Yeah, one of the one of the last questions because I I love that you just brought that up because I mean myself I've recently and this is partially because I listen to Lex Friedman I don't know if you know who that is or, or somebody know. told me oh you told me I think about it was me. <laughs> I was like yeah dude anybody who doesn't listen to Lex if you like Joe Rogan you'll like Lex but um he was saying how he recently has become fascinated with Hitler and some people hear that and yeah like, yeah what, what the fuck are you talking about but again deep it's not oh this guy's fascinated with hitler it's no he's fascinated with how hitler thinks yep. and how he got millions and millions and millions of people to yep. not only side with him and become sheep but to also hate an entire Absolutely. nationality of people i mean th- these are some talk about persuasion skills i mean this is somebody to to take something from it i'm i'm, I'm really interested why did you like why are you reading those books is it because you agree with what they're saying Absolutely not. You know, I, I gotta, gotta read. Uh, I'm trying to read as many people with whom I disagree with as possible. If I'm going to be talking about these things, if I'm going to be talking about Marxism, if I'm going to be talking about socialism. If I'm going to be talking about fascism, if I'm going to be talking about communism, I might as well know all about it. And I might as well read these 
monumental works in these subjects, these cornerstone pieces of work in these uh, subjects, these topics. Um, I'm not, I'm not just another person parroting talking points on my podcast. Like I actually get straight to the source and I have a, I'd say I have a, a I have a deep understanding of a lot of these things. Uh, and I'm, I, I, I'm only just in the beginning too. Like I've, right. this is still, this is, this is a very new thing for me. I've, I've really only ramped this up the past couple of months. Uh, I've really only been on this path for, I guess, uh, yeah, since July, like I said. And um, yeah, I think in uh, 10, 20 years, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be uh wicked smart on this on these subjects on 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 politics on communism on socialism and uh very much the way my dad is now like he i can't even you i i would put any leftist any any democrat politician up to debate him and uh i'm confident nobody can win he's like a a male Candace Owens and but it's a shame that he doesn't have a podcast or anything like he's he's totally private you know oh yeah um, he's he yeah he's wicked smart it's funny because no, none of those democrat politicians or anybody would actually take that debate because they're scared i mean they won't even take debates with Candace Owens herself i mean they won't they won't do that but um last last question we're again we're coming up on you know two two and a half hours jordan i think a lot of people are going to get some pretty good insight into just what they should really do going forward in terms of how they, they consume information, especially, but I, I mean, this is the conscious rebellion and, and people who listen to this are, like I said, they're looking to figure out the truth about a lot of things. And I guess if you could leave the listeners with some sort of actionable advice, and I think you just kind of had one, but what would, what would the actionable advice be that you could give to, to people our age, especially in terms of um, how they, they consume information, I guess, things they can do to, um, weed out the bullshit for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah. I mean, I'll just wrap up everything I said, probably the past 15, 20 minutes about it. Just be a, a learning machine. Uh, and don't just put on your bookshelf. My bookshelf used to be uh, all books that made me feel good and things that I agree with. And, but now it's, it's becoming the ratios getting increasing. Uh, it's, it's skewing more towards, uh, you know, it used to be like 100% stuff I agree with my my library, and now it's uh you know getting getting more even, so to say, and and uh, I I I don't have uh, you know I'm not gonna just because I have a book on atheism or or fascism on my bookshelf or a book from Hitler or or Mao on my bookshelf doesn't mean I I agree with it. I think a a mark of uh, I, I think true science is is understanding deeply both sides. So extremely well said, brother. Thank you again, Jordan, for coming on. Guys, if you wanna if you wanna check out Jordan, go ahead, go to jordanparis.com. You can find all his podcasts, his two books there as well. Um, search for the Jordan Paris show on right every podcast platform. Yeah, Apple, yeah. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but if you guys, if you guys enjoy my content, you will definitely enjoy Jordan's. Uh, like I said in the intro, been listening to him for a while. So glad we got the chance to to have this convo. And I'm sure this probably won't be the last you'll see of the two of us uh, doing some some stuff together. So Jordan, thanks for being on today, man. Thank you, Nate.